Hey now, welcome everybody. This is exclusively Van Halen, the weekly uh, show and podcast here on Johnny Bean TV. We talk about Van Halen. It is March 18th, 2022, 8.09 p.m. Eastern, 5.09 Pacific, 7.09 Central, I guess. Yay! <laughs> awesome. So, hey, everybody. Johnny Bean here. Cheers to y'all. Cheers. Yeah. I've got my tea. It's early here. Tea? Yeah, it is early where you are. I'm in the same time zone. Don't judge me. Oh. I won't. I started at 2 this afternoon. So. Man. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome. Kurt5150 is here. And Kurt, who do we have here tonight? Oh, my gosh. Johnny. We have not only has this guy been an Ed Head enthusiast for let's call it 40 plus years. I think he started playing guitar in 1975. Yeah. And then his life was completely flipped around in 1978 when he heard Van Halen won. We yeah. have coming from Wisconsin, did a small stint in Chicago. I know Jay's not here, but uh, Jay's from Chicago as well. He's a huge Bears fan. So we won't hold that against I'm, you too. I'm sorry. My wife is too. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but house but divided. I'm a Packer and... man, you know. So, you know, Packer Ooh. Bears. So. Yeah, house Ooh. divided. Oh, man. Well, yeah. he hails from Tennessee. And in his spare time, he blesses us with some amazing videos on YouTube, which you guys have probably seen the quest for the brown sound. He's done Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, and Fair Warning. And we'll talk about his next drop, which should be coming soon. But the one and only Jim Gastad. Gaustad, close enough. Gaustad. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. Gaustad. Good Irish. Or, or only make or a mistake something. once. <laughs> All right. Thank Man. you. Dude. Welcome. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. This is awesome. And you, you know what else is awesome? We have channel members here on Johnny Boone TV. The top tier of channel members are the executive producers. And they are Dave Ennis, Vinyl Freak 5150, Mike Nice, Music Therapy Laz, Majestic PB and J Cat, Wayno, False Flag, Sherman Callahan, Andy Carson, Michael B, R Habs. I think that says Warlag down there. Michael B, I still have to change your name, man. I'll get that done for tomorrow night's show. The Chad who uh, we might see tonight, maybe. Lawrence Christensen, Lenny Lou and Mary, James Gum, John Moronic, Paul Martinwood, Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, the captain, Thomas Santiago, Joe Christian, Jim Ray Hawkins, David Allen Wright, and Steve Carmichael. That's the top tier of channel membership here on Johnny Bean TV here on YouTube. Become a channel member, click that join button, any super chats will change the color of my lights in the guitar more, as you guys know, right there. If you'd like to help support the channel, support these shows. If you'd like to rent out some space, we got we got stuff over here. Currently, Tinkerman poster by Holly Lewis. Very oh, yeah. cool. Very cool. And if you'd like to connect with us tonight, you can actually call 415-952-3263. Uh, we'll take some, some questions. We'll give you some answers. 
And we're live on Facebook, John Bean TV Facebook page, where we have Facebook stars. And we're also live in the exclusively Van Halen Facebook group, just under 63,000 members. EVH Gear Live Facebook page and Facebook group. And John Bean TV, blah, blah, blah. So here's Kurt. Very. <laughs> and when I said Jim was playing guitar, um, since 1975 he was in one or two years old so not indulging his age. very young no, player very you're flattering me but no you can tell a lot of mileage here lots of mileage i was nine in 75 i was nine uh, i thought i'd give you that you know no, years, thank you, but I, you know i cannot tell a lie so there I had, you know, I, I begged my mom. We were poor. We grew up really poor. So I begged my mom. Um, actually, my, my story is, I, first I joined a marching band. So I was, I was playing, a, uh, I didn't graduate to snare, but I was playing a tom-tom. I got yeah. an older brother. He's two years older than me. He, I brought my tom-tom home to practice with and march around my backyard. And he took it from me. And he wouldn't give it back to me. So at that point, he decided to play the drums and then I said, mom, I want to play guitar. So we went out. This sounds familiar. This sounds yeah, kind of, exactly. wait a minute. We've heard this, this summer before. This is absolutely a true story. <laughs> so I, it was a marching band called the Cavalettes in La Crosse, Wisconsin. They had a cavalry uniform, you know, the whole U S belt buckle and the, yep. you know, the whole dress blues and everything. And so I thought that was cool. I wanted to join them. And that's what I did. I was going to play the drums and all that. And my brother was bigger than me, beat the crap out of me and took the drum from me. And I, I kind of never got it back. And so I started playing guitar after that. I saw Rory Gallagher on the Midnight Special. And, that, and you guys are too young to remember Burt Sugarman's new Midnight Special. But it was a cool I show. know the name. I know the <laughs> name, but yeah. It was a cool show on Saturday nights, you know, that mm -hmm. and Don Kirshner's rock concert. But Rory Gallagher was on, and I thought, man, that guy, that was so cool, playing that beat to hell Stratocaster that he had. And mm -hmm. that inspired me. I said, I got to I gotta play guitar. So we went, and I nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged my mom, and, and she we went to Lightholes Music in beautiful La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I got a pile of crap Stella Harmony acoustic with action about that high at the 12th fret. I love I that guitar. guitar. <laughs> and, I, and I played that, I played the ass out of that thing for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years before I got an electric. So cool. Then I had my, that's that was cool. a Hondo two Les Paul copy I got was my first electric. Nice. I thought it was killer. <laughs> yeah. But you, that's where you learn your chops, right? On your, yeah, that's, and that's the guitar I owned when Van Halen one came out. I had and that in my little Yamaha practice amp with the click-on distortion control. Oh, yeah. You click it on and you turn it up, and of course it was turned all the way up. And I used to blow that amp up all the time because I kept I kept finding these like high school, the intercom speakers, you know, on the wall underneath the clock. We'd so take I, anything we could get. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd grab those. My Our singer at the time, I was in a band. We had formed a little band. And I... He had about four of those, and I took the I just took the wires off the back of this 12-inch speaker in the back of the Yamaha. Paper cone, right? Yeah, yeah. 
and I and I just wired them all in all in parallel with each other. So I was the impedance on that thing. That poor amp was it was probably down to zero point two ohms, and it, I kept I kept roasting the output side of it, solid state, but they kept replacing the output transistors the, in the heat sinks. So mm -hmm. that was my. I started modifying things at a very young age, I guess. Let's oh my just... gosh, I love it. More <laughs> the better, you thought back then. Yeah. Stereos, wow. amps, all that stuff. You just add to it and you thought it was it was it was gonna be better, but you were just reducing the sound into something else. Yep. Well, my brother played the drums. He was he was the loudest drummer. I mean, he was inspired by I'm not sure who the hell he was inspired by, quite frankly. I mean, he loved Alex Van Halen, but that came later. So, I mean, Neil Park, um, God, we listened to all that stuff. I mean, all of the early 70s stuff, mid-70s, Deep Purple. Ian Pace, mm -hmm. that was this guy. So he, my brother John just pounded the hell out of the drum kit. So I needed those extension speakers to keep up so you could hear the guitar over the drum kit. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's my story I'm sticking to. Wow. <laughs> But dude, that's cool. That's cool. So, so were you, were you you were uh, experimenting with with the amplifiers and stuff? Was that that was before you got into Eddie? Yeah, like, yeah, that was before I got into Eddie, and I, I had already switched out pickups in the Hondo. Um, I already replaced the tuners that had those crappy stamped cast tuners, so I put a set of shallers on it. Mm -hmm. um, put a DiMarzio in the in the bridge position. Oh my God! Yeah, I had I, I had that guitar part. It had a bolt-on neck. It was a bolt-on neck Les Paul. So I was shimming the neck to get the action right. Yeah, I was you know I was ten eleven. Well, I was eleven years old at that point, I guess, when I was doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That explains so my, a lot. Uh, my first pro gig, we were twelve. Um, and. Another funny story is we got stiffed. It was a $25 gig and it was a, it was a YMCA 24 hour lock-in and we were the band and my mom booked the gig for us <laughs> through the 4-H or some kind of thing like that. And, and they <laughs> stiffed us. They stiffed us. Either that or, the, or my mom, the manager stole the money and absconded with the 25 bucks. It was one or the other. I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, it's one cool thing. Career. Hmm? One cool thing, Johnny. That uh, I know we're going to get into Jim's whole repertoire, but one cool thing I think since we're talking about the early days, Jim witnessed the second show in Madison, Wisconsin, the year after the um, hotel incident. No, it was it was actually the year of the hotel. No, oh, it was it the, was the year of. It was that's when it came out on the album. It was it yeah, was right, right. So it was 1978, and that was that's when they played the Shuffle In, which yep. is a club I used to hang at all the time. But I was too young huh. to see them in '78. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And then '79, they came back the next year after the the hotel incident, and they put right. in the uh, the album sleeve and all. I thought that was pretty cool. It was it was an amazing. It was it was absolutely blow away. Um, Screams was the opening act, and I was you know seventy nine. What was I thirteen? Is that right? Sixty six, seventy nine. Yeah, I was thirteen. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm doing the math right, right? I've been like I said, I've been drinking since two. Lie. I'm, <laughs> yeah. but, I was two. <laughs> I was two in seventy nine. Yeah, 
So, yeah, it was screams that opened and my brother and I had made it up to the front. You know, it was festival seating, general admission seating. We made it all the way up to the front. Uh-huh. And, you know, a 13-year-old kid up in the front of, on an open big floor in the Coliseum. It was pretty brutal up there. And we stayed there long enough for about the first, the first three, four songs. And they opened with Light Up the Sky. And I'll never, never forget it. It was, yeah, it was truly a game changer. It, it, completely for me, you know, at that time I was, I, you know, I was listening to Van Halen, right, you know, in 78 when I, when my buddy put the album on. And that changed me. But up until that point, you know, it was Ted Nugent, Kiss, Aerosmith, you know, all the fog hat. Deep Purple, Loved, mm-hmm. you know, Head East, yep. Cheap Trick, that sort of thing. All that stuff was going on. But, yeah, so, you know, the, it was the first drop curtain I had ever seen, too. And we were right up front for the big the big drop curtain. So you could hear, oh you know, you could hear Ed doing what he always did before the show, you know, the dive bombs and the hammers and all that stuff. You know, Anthony was subsonic, you know, spanking the bass and everything and beating the hell out of it. You know, and Al just, you know, riffing around, riffing around. Then you got the Rudy intro, mm-hmm. you yep. know, and the Mighty Van Halen. And, and Mighty Van Halen. Yep. And the drop curtain came down. I mean, just disappeared. And it was it was the biggest light rig, the biggest stage rig you had ever seen up to that point. It was massive. I mean, you look at the pictures now from the 79 tour and it was compared to, you know, 81 mm-hmm. and then 84, which was absurdly ridiculous, you know, but it was, it was so cool. It was, there was so much energy. So they did the, you know, they open up with light up the sky and they're, you know, there's, there's guys up top in the light rig that are running the foul spots. You know, there's, right. there's five guys sitting up there. So they got five guys in foul spots right above them. And again, you had never seen that before either. So they're wow. running back and forth across the stage, you know, on the intro. And they're going back and forth and it's just coming at you. Like you've been knocking your head off huge, powerful, the whole deal. And here comes Roth coming out, swinging out, doing his whole <laughs> thing. And they're in the song. And you're going, you go, wow, here it is, man. This is light up the sky. And they're and they're doing it. And it sounds killer. And they get to the drum break and they Mike and Ed run up to the side of the drum riser. And there's, you know, that was that that was the clear and chrome drum kit. And it was huge. So yep. you, you couldn't really see what was up there with all the lights coming off of it and everything. But there were timbales, clear timbales on either side angled out for Mike and Ed. So they're up there. So they're in the drum break and they're all playing the drums. And Roth is standing on the kick drums, hitting the cymbals. And we're just, I'm sitting there looking at my brother and we're going, what the fuck is this? This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and then they come out of it just like that and they go and, and you know, just like that, they're back into the song. And it was like, holy crap. And then the whole night was like that. It was one thing after another. The energy was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Who, Best who thing does that? Seen. Who does that on their, I mean, let's call it their sophomore tour, you know, usually most bands, they start, you know, their freshman tours, opening up for someone. And then first headline, you know, they got their toe dipped in the water. And then usually the next tour is when they want to go big. Van Halen went big 
the first yeah. their first opportunity. Yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. They went. That was that was smoking big. It was. I mean, it really was. It was cool. You know, I've got the my pretty good buddy that managed the Shuffle Inn where they played in '78 when they destroyed the Sheraton <laughs> Inn, and they the Shuffle Inn. I can say this. I know it. The Shuffle Inn before it burned down years later. Right. had the best dressing room in the Midwest, the absolute really? best dressing room in the Midwest because Van Halen destroyed the dressing room <laughs> because they were pissed that they got kicked <laughs> off the tour for the night because there wasn't enough room on the stage that they were playing. I forget whether it was the, maybe it was the Orpheum theater or something like that. They weren't, there wasn't enough room on the stage to do the three bands deep. Yeah, because it was it was Journey, Montrose, and Van Halen. Right. So they ended up last minute calling the shuffle in to see if they could get a night to play there and or play that night. And sure enough, they did. But they destroyed the dressing room. They destroyed the Sheraton. And that's why the note exists on the back of the second album. Special thanks, seventh floor, Madison, Wisconsin, Sheraton in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> But the manager that I know, that was his first night as the manager of the Shuffle Inn. Oh my Inn. gosh! And they had the Shuffle Inn was a, <laughs> was a great rock club, but but it had a, it probably had a fire capacity of about 450, 500 people. I guess they had well over a thousand people that night. They moved out all these pool tables. They moved out, and they stacked beer cases on either side of the stage, like for wings, mm -hmm. to set. Eddie's four by twelves and Mike's SVT bottoms up, so it would extend out from either side of the stage. Right, because the stage was too small for obviously what they were touring with, even in '78. Yeah, yeah, cool man, stuff. that's that's crazy that that you witnessed a lot of that because you know we we were you know too young to to witness any of that stuff, but because I. I mean, I, I have, and of course, many of us have seen the uh, the Super 8 footage from 78 and 79. Yeah. And so I know what you're talking about when you say they're playing, they're all playing the song, the drums. And, like, I've seen it, yeah. but to, to have been there, that's a whole nother. That's, it was that's incredible, man. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Then I saw him again. I, I uh, missed him on the 80 tour, and then I saw him again for Fair Warning. So when they came back for fair warning, it was like, holy crap. Because then you saw that stage, you know, the, the, yeah. way, the mountains, the, the mountains of speaker cabin, yeah. those flag audio system speaker boxes, you know, with the white baffles. And God, it was cool. And the light rig was massive. And that's the first time they did the whole, at the end of the night, when the whole rig came down with the big VH logo on it. Mm hmm and I was, I was already, I wasn't going to be up front. I wanted to catch the show from a little further back. And I was, I was behind the soundboard. So back of the floor in the arena. Mm -hmm. And when that, when that rig turned down at the end of the night and the huge VH logo was there, you could feel the heat on your face. You could feel the actual temperature coming off of that. I mean, wow. those were aircraft landing lights. Those were ACLs which is what we all used back in the day when we had dimmer packs, you know, for our light rigs and everything, all that stuff where you'd have, you tap into the 440 mains coming into the building. So you could just run your light rig and everything. Cause it was all super high voltage. You know, you'd have hundreds of thousands of Watts of lighting. 
Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was incandescent lighting or it was quartz lighting. It was just, you know, it threw a lot of heat. These LED lights, you know, that's the, these kids are using these days. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I have on the, me. They're good for the environment, apparently, they say. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> you don't sweat like you used to when you play because right. you used to, in the, the band I played with that we, we toured with in the, in the late 80s, our drummer had a mohawk. The band was called The Victims, and it was like Depeche Mode meets Van Halen, you know, because oh, I was cool. a guitar player, and it was, wow. and the, those the singer and the drummer were brothers, and they played. They were into all that stuff. They were into that that mid '80s Depeche Mode kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. and I love it. Of course, I was into what I was into, but anyway, we we toured complete. We traveled with all these pretty big light rig and a pretty big PA. And we had these 600 watt quartz ray par 56 cans in the light rig for the drum specials right above the drummer. And Jeff had this big mohawk and he had hairspray in it, you know, a loaded with hairspray to make that mohawk stand up. And we were playing, I can't remember, but the, but the trussing was down kind of low <laughs> and it was pretty close oh, to wow. his head. And we looked back and his hair, his mohawk was smoking. <laughs> It was about ready to catch fire. There was so much heat coming from the those quartz ray lights, but but that's off on a tangent. So oh. yeah. <laughs> so Jim, my dad was an electrician. Yeah. And uh he put some lights out back so we could play wiffle ball when I was a kid. And he had these big halogen that he yeah. mounted up on the side of the house. You could fry an egg on those things. Yeah. <laughs> they got hot, man. They I had some hot. thousand watts. Um Par 64s, you know, those are the big ones. Had some had some thousand water par 64s that we put in front of the, the drum riser, you know, just like we were ripping off Van Halen, of course, you know, but right. so they were giant straight out and they were, man, they were awesome. The LEDs don't do the same thing, I don't think, but you know, again, off on, <laughs> off so on Johnny, a tangent. Um, you want to, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get got... going here in a minute, but. You I've got mine right here, man. 70 some people oh, watching. Do you want to talk about this giveaway we're going to be doing tonight? Yeah. Yeah. We got 75 people sitting here. Um, you guys, look down below, going across the screen, type hashtag win in the chat. And we're giving away um, right here a 79 Bumblebee replica guitar strap. Tonight. Mate. So tonight. Tonight only. Yeah. Made by Luis from Fairfield Guitars, who just did two runs of the Gunner Strap, Bomber Strap, 78 Guitar Strap, which we'll get into a little bit later. He generously messaged me and wants to give away this Bumblebee strap tonight to a lucky winner. Jim, don't make me grab mine. It would it would look it would look good on here. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Oh yeah, he's going to get his. <laughs> it's it's sure it's begun. I'm sure his is nice. It's literally B. It's bumblebee gun. That's you got that nicer, right? Here, I'll, I'll spotlight both of you. Yeah, I don't know. I got a gold Floyd on mine. All right, so I got a hybrid. Mine's antique bronze with the FU tune, FU 
tone upgrades, and then I got a yeah. chrome bar on it. Yeah, not me. I'm not that fancy. What you got? Is it an ash body? Ash body. Yep. All right. All right. You're doing that right. Good deal. What do you? You're what what pickup? Nice huh? What pickup? That's it's a super D. So I got a tone zone in mine. Really? Yeah, it sounds I had good. To go, I had to go for the accuracy of the the hex pulls. Right. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't. This guitar never sounds good to me. But it may come yeah, out for the women and children first video. You know what? 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 what man, we, maybe we should talk about that later. But <laughs> was this used on the women and children's first album or not? I don't believe so. I think if it was, I think it was only used for the squeals and the dive bombs on "Everybody Wants Some" and the solo, perhaps. Hmm. Other than that, no. It's it's hard to find any. There's only one song that's got one of the overwound hot pickups on it. Otherwise, it's it's a PAF and a Super Seventy. Hmm. Alan Garber. I don't know if he's going to be here tonight. He, uh, <laughs> do you know Alan? <laughs> I, yeah, I know Alan. <laughs> Alan is the Alan is the keeps me honest. He's the like the resident expert, so he keeps me honest about everything. <laughs> I if I screw something up in a video, if I play something wrong, he he'll point it out to me and send me the the. He's right on you. He'll send me the tab. He, he is. He's all over me. I love yeah. the guy, but he's all over me about it. So, in fact, he's why I do the disclaimer now about, oh, I'm not here to give a clinic on how to play it. I'll play it as close as I do, close as I can. But, you know, I've, I've kind of always been that kind of player anyway. I just, I'm a field player. I'm an ear player and a field player. I barely read tabs at all. I just play. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way we grew up, putting the needle on the record, listen, sing the part to yourself, you know, and yeah. then then translate it to the guitar. So it's, I think it's better ear training, but yeah, I don't play everything as accurate as I probably should. Hmm. Close enough. Though. Close enough for rock and roll. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah, Alan's Alan a great, doesn't. Alan's a great, he's, he's a great guy, man. Yeah. He's been, he is. he's been on the, on the channel here over the, over the years, many times. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I see him, I mean, you, you know this. We're all on on. Well, I don't. I don't. Kurt's on Facebook, but on Facebook, anything having to do with 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 the guitar. Uh, what wood was that? What pickup was in that? How did he play that? Alan is like all in the comments of all. Tu tuning. Well, I, I oh, I know. Tuning is the thing. <laughs> and he's he's no, he's dead on with that. It's so true, though. It is so true. And that was when I did the fair warning video. It was so evident to me recording those parts if i was if i was 20 cents off you could hear the difference in the tone you could and i said oh shh, i gotta redo that i didn't alan's gonna <laughs> alan's gonna be mad <laughs> it didn't quite capture the tone it was it's true though it is absolutely true you know it's just <laughs> It's I'm not slagging him. It's it's absolutely true. He's he's a genius. He's a savant when it comes to that. It's it's cool. And he's been a great resource. In fact, when yep. I started doing the women and children first video that I'm haven't hasn't dropped yet, 
I reached out to him to say, what year was the, was those studio pictures where Ed's playing the burst at Sunset Sounders? He's sitting on the four by 12. Yeah, they're staged. Apparently, apparently they're staged photos. Well, sure, sure they are, but the the pickup is missing from the '59 from the and that, yep. well, that's the year. So I had to get that from Alan. So he he told me what year it was, because I had a feeling that that pickup ended up in one of the guitars that was used to record women and children first. Absolutely. So, so that was one of the theories that I was working on. So I wanted to ask him if he knew what year that Les Paul was. So I private messaged him. And, you know, I said, Alan, would you happen to know? And he, he didn't off the top of his head, but he had a guy he went to. He was back to me in five minutes with an answer. It's a 58 wow. or he had a 58 and he had a 59. Yeah. And that was the 59. The better looking one was the 59 and that was the better looking one. So he took a pickup out of the 59. So that led and me 58 to sounded better. Yeah. And that, but that led me to believe or theorize what type of magnet was in the 59 PAF and mm. what type of wind it was. Okay. I mean, PAF that thought. We're going to get into that. I got all a right. bunch of. <laughs> all right. Whatever. <laughs> I'm good. Because I, I want Jay to get in here when we get, get into the, the pickup talk. Because uh, right. I got, all I got right. like, I got a bunch of questions for you, but <laughs> we are going to give away the Bumblebee strap to someone in the chat. Johnny's going to do a drawing sometime towards the end of the show, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we got 19 entries. We got 64 watching. So let's, let's get a few Jen, more entries in here. if you want to win it. I'm good. <laughs> you have a bumblebee. Come on. No, because because then another package will show up, and my wife will say, "Now what? Now what? Coming? Did you really need more guitar stuff?" You know. You know what, Jim? You know what I miss? As he goes and grabs something. I miss. I miss when I used to have an office, and I could just ship stuff to my office. Now that I, I work from home, everything has to come home. Oh man. That's the new 5150 I'm building right there. Oh, cool. It's already grain filled, getting ready for paint. So nice, nice neck. Um, yeah, you what? like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, you can really stretch it though. Your other 5150 is a poplar, correct? It is. And that's and that's another thing Alan just burst my bubble on as a matter of fact he said you know oh, that you bite you bought that you bit that uh that fish lure that he sent your way yep i did I is did. it ash it, that's that this swamp ash <sighs> it sounds fabulous i could never get my poplar one to sound good ever i don't care what kind of pickup i put in it i could not get it to sound good I put this one together without any paint on it, you know, to make sure it, I got this one from Chris Locke and uh, I put it all together, fixed a couple of routes, pickup depth and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to do a little, little trimming in the neck pocket, but I put it all together with the parts from the, my other 5150 and it, it cleared up all the tone problems I was having with it. So I'm, I'm tickled with it. I mean, the, I'll I'll lay the paint on it and I'll will wreck it, but you know. <laughs> I went basswood on this one. Yeah, but I have uh, I got the Pariah Pasadena eighty uh, black eighty six mod in it. Yeah, cool. Which is the 
same as a JB, but it's a uh, Allen Eagle five yeah. instead of an Allen Eagle two. Well, JB is an A five. Oh, is Frankie five, is maybe? the A. The Frankie's the A two. The Frank pickup is a fourteen K A two. The JB is about a fifteen and a half K A five. I think. Yeah, Alan Garber. Where are you? <laughs> I know. No, I. We need I, the I, Alan I, Garber I, direct I should, line. I should pull out my five-gallon bucket full of humbuckers and dump it out here. But, but one of the things <laughs> I want to talk to you about, and I know we're completely going off ten tangents. <laughs> oh no, before, this is this is exactly the stuff, Jim. Before I put this uh, Pasadena in, I had a JB and uh -huh. a two fifty K pot in. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> I. <laughs> Good but for you. when I put the Pasadena in, I switched to a EVH 500K low friction pot. Yeah. Oh, I like it, but it's different than the that 250K pot. Man, I don't know. It's different. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. It takes the edge off. You lose a little bit of gain, which you need for Van Halen. His sound is pretty damn clean. And the, the 500K lets too much of that high-frequency sizzle pass through. So you get too much of that that buzz, that buzzy stuff. He's, his is, you know, like he said in, in like 19, I think it was the April 80 Guitar Player magazine where he said, you know, it's like the big home stereo, the big brown sound, like Al Snare, the big, you know, that's he, want, he just wanted a big, loud, warm stereo instead of the transistor radio. And that, to me... Like going back to, I wish I had done it for my Van Halen one deep dive. I wish I had gone. The, I had always suspected it, but I never, you know, I couldn't allow myself to break the rules. You know, it's just like, you know, you got a humbucker. It's a 500K pot. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what all the experts say. That's what but we read, all the yeah. time I was thinking, you know, Ed, as I said in the videos, as I explained in, the, in one of my videos is that. You know, he wasn't a technician, a solder nut, and he just grabbed whatever he had on the bench or what was originally in the Stratocaster. And then have Amazon or any of that shit right. where you could just go buy one. You, you couldn't even go to a music store and buy one. If you knew a repair guy, you could probably get one. But, yeah, mm -hmm. so I should have done it on the first video because on that first video, I fought the, the fizz. I fought the fizzies. The amp has too much gain. You know, it's a non-master. I mean, it doesn't have a gain control or anything like that. It doesn't master preamp. It doesn't have any of that. It's just a four-hole Marshall that's turned up. Um, but I've, that's what I fought. And I, had I put the 250K in there, I would have been, I wouldn't have had to do the, the EQ and post and start backing stuff off in the post EQ and try to, trying to get rid of that extra sizzle gain I was getting. So it was a, it's a big deal. And I think that's, I think that's the pot that stays in the entire life of the Frankenstein for sure. And this, you know, the rumor is about the 5150 too. Is that oh, really? A, that is, was a 250K. The, the guys from the Kramer factory said it was a JB with a 250K. I'm not sure it was a JB. I think it was a 59 that was overwound, is what I think. I think it was like. I'm calling a, Rob Johnson right now. <laughs> I think it was a 12K59, somewhere in that range. Everybody in their replicas right now. <laughs> oh, my God. But I understand <laughs> because when I switched, it 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 was edgier when I went yeah. to the 500K. 
Yep. I guess I'm not really big into the, you know, recording. I'm, you know, I'm a boutique player, but I could tell it was like, it was, it was edgier. I guess the sound was edgier than when I had the 250K pot in it before. Right. You know, and, and also, you know, guys, a lot of these guitar aficionado types and they slag, they slag the JB, you know, they say, yeah, it's, it's to this, it's to that, but they're playing through their, their master volume, you know, overly compressed gain. Yeah. And it's, put it in a four holer, put it in a vintage four holer and turn it up and you'll go, Holy crap. That JB sounds pretty damn good. And that's what, you know, that's what everybody was using back then. So it's, it's not hard to believe that knowing that that's what Ed played through that that's pretty much the pickup. And that's what, that was Seymour's flagship pickup was the, was the JB. I got 84 Kramer that has the JB in it and it, that's why I switched pickups on this because I didn't want to have two pickups in the same type guitar. You got to get the Jalen FW right there, the fair warning pickup, the Jalen fair warning right there. See, is that new? That's the one I had for the fair warning video. I had him wind it for me. Oh, cool. It's not, Jaylen. it's not in the guitar because I've got a different pickup for women and children first in it, but that's the, that's the pickup that I believe was in it from Van Halen 2 on. Is that wow. the spec that I had Greg at Jalen line that for me? Which is available upon wow. request. <laughs> <laughs> so we Very can cool. we, we can get into the nerdy shit here in a little bit, but I know you keep pushing me back. <laughs> I know. Have let's, another drink. Let's step, let's step back a little bit. What possessed you to open up a YouTube channel and do the, your first video? Um, Ed's death, actually. Okay. Um, I, uh, you know, it really tore me up. I mean, he oh. was, he was my, uh, the choir. you know, even my mentor, my, you know, from a mentor from afar, a huge influence on me. You know, I, you know, I was weaned on Richie Blackmore and that kind of thing. So I've all, I love all kinds of players and Rory Gallagher and, and all of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you got to love Jimmy Page and all that. But Ed was, you know, I, I'll never forget that day in 78, you know, when my buddy said, hey, you've got to hear this. And he Thanksgiving Day, 1978, drops the needle on the record. And it was it was like, you know, he, he just started with running with the devil. He just did the car horn thing, the slowed down car horn thing. It's like what the hell is that? And then they get in. It was the biggest guitar sound. It was the coolest thing you ever heard. You went, holy crap. You know, this is, this sure beats Nugent's big showman amps. It was like, oh my <laughs> God, listen to that thing. You know, and then the next track being eruption, it was like, you know, pick your jaw up off the floor. And, yeah. you know, and back then the, the guitar writers and that were, you know, the guitar magazine writers were saying, you know, that's a synthesizer. It's, you know, it's, it's a, one of the new guitar synths or it's an actual keyboard or it's, but no, it was a guitar. And I was like, how the hell is he doing that? But anyway, that's what, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's what put me down the path. And that's, you know, I was doing my own thing. I never had a, 
a Van Halen striped guitar. I never, you know, when I was touring and playing with, you know, playing with my, the national act and the regional act and the wedding bands and all the other crap I've played with and, you know, recorded with, I was always using old Marshalls. So I knew what Ed was talking about in his interviews. I had played through them. I, I knew what they sounded like, you know, I knew what, I knew how they behaved. And I grew up doing that, you know, adjusting the volume knob on the guitar, not using pedals. No, I've never used a distortion pedal in my life, you know. And so I, I grew up playing the old-fashioned way, just like he did. So I was, as I was living that life and playing guitar and, and doing my own thing, and not, and I was ripping them off every chance I got, of course, on my original stuff and the solo lines and everything. And, you know, we were all doing that in the, in the 80s, and, you know, and recording as much of it as we could or that sort of thing. And But when he died, it was like, God, you know, I've, I've kind of known how to do all this stuff for a long, long time. And I never would have done it while he was alive because it's kind of like a it's kind of like a professional courtesy or whatever. You don't step yeah. on somebody's thing, you know, pouncing on their parade. Yeah. So I, you know, even though he had moved on to the 5150 amps and everything, and, and I probably could have done it. It never really occurred to me to do it until then. And I said, you know what I've had, I did a couple of little videos. Like I think I did the, I'm the one playthrough or the, not the playthrough, but the backing track one. And that was that was my basic rig, and I didn't spend all the time that I do in the deep dive videos. And I started getting a lot of questions about how do you do that? How is that? What are you using? What's your, you know? So I, I thought to myself, you know, I I should probably I should probably do a, a quick video, and in my world, a quick video. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that happened the first my shortest one it clocks in at 31 minutes or something but it was um i just felt like i could impart some wisdom and then be gone and then then the request well what what's the second album sounds different what did he do on the second album so then you know i knew about the chef or the wireless and 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 i had one you know so i and i knew what it did to the tone of the guitar so Cause I had played with one way back when. And so I sourced one and I said, all right, I got it. I got to do the Schaffer thing now because it's a big deal or Schaefer. People say it different ways, but the Schaefer Vega. Um, well, Jim, your, your first video came across my feed. I clicked on it and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And where has he been? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, well, Seriously. Been, yeah. Well, that's that's the reason I didn't do it until until Ed passed, and then I thought, well, okay, now I'll now I'll kind of spill the beans, or at least at least what I think I know. Like and like I always say, it's always speculation, and it's always yeah, you know, it's. But I'm I do my best to I do my research, and I say, okay, well, I know it's a four hole super lead. I know it's a sixty eight build. Friedman was in the amp. He told us what's in the amp. Mine is yeah, built technical. in the same way. Um, you know, the Variac, I was using the Variac way back in the early 80s, you know, because I read about it in guitar player magazines. I was using that, mm -hmm. I was using that Variac way back when because I thought, wow, this thing is brilliant. I could, it quiets the amp down. 
you know, so yeah. I guess it was just, I just kind of knew when it was time. That's uh, the to sum it all up. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of people have subscribed obviously since, so did you open your YouTube just to do no, that one video? I had, I had posted some stuff and I was, I was actually producing a, a guitar TV show here in Nashville. We were trying to do, um, so I had opened up, I had had a YouTube account and you can see some of that on there. And I had posted some, um, some live video of the Van Halen tribute thing that I, that I play in. Um, and I had posted some, some covers that I had redone, some old Jay Ferguson songs. Um, I, I did devil woman by, uh, what the hell's his name? He just a devil woman with evil. What the hell's his name? Doesn't matter. But so I wanted to post those up there because you can get those on iTunes. Right. <laughs> so, ding. Uh, yeah, ding, ding, Spotify, all of them. But um, so I, I had an outlet, but it was, you know, I had 90 subscribers or something. So I started doing the Van Halen stuff. And I think I'm I think I'm pushing 4000 at this point. I had yeah, I had some ridiculous amount of hours of, you know, on my your YouTube report, some ridiculous amount of viewing hours. And I went, holy crap, there's a lot of people watching. I'm getting people from New Zealand, England, uh, South America. They're all reaching out to me with questions and everything. And it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's, cool. yeah, it's, it's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. But then I wish people would read the comments so I don't have to answer the same damn thing over <laughs> and over. Just go yeah, scroll through that's the comments. You'll find the answer. <laughs> well there's jim's channel if you guys haven't been over there check him out yeah and you know Um, what it's weird because i'll i'll get guys that reach out to me and they'll say hey i just saw your such and such video would you do fair warning and i said go to the channel and look because i did it it's like you know so I don't know how YouTube catalogs that stuff. Maybe I need to go in an organizer, what, but I'm a newbie, so I don't know. Yeah, what you can do is you can actually make playlists, and you can uh-huh. feature all this, like right on the front page of your channel, you can actually have 78 playlists, 79 like different playlists of the different right. eras of videos. Right, cool, I can cool. I can help you. I can help you with that. Cool, then that's what I need to do. Great. Yeah, because that'll save, that'll save my carpal tunnel from responding. <laughs> I'm going to need surgery pretty soon. Oh, no. So, Jim, I do try to answer answer every question, every comment. You know, I try try to be the friendly guy. I'm not. I I learned years ago that trying to be the cock of the walk guitar player is stupid. I mean, we're all in this together. We can all share. We can all learn stuff. I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to prove anything anymore, you know, and Nothing, nothing sets me off like a guitar player with a holier than now attitude. That just pisses me off. So, those are the kind of guys I want to play under the table. Other than that, or drink them under the table, one or the other. Right. Good luck with that. I know. I'm massaging my liver right now. <laughs> so, you've done Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, and, um, and some fair stuff. warning. And fair and, warning, and, 
And I did the addendum. People in the chat who were watching, if they haven't seen him, he literally deep dives into the guitar, um, the pickups, the cabinets, the amp, uh, the effects, the mic position, mic, right? Yep. Yeah. Because that 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 right the the miking position is very important. Yep. What speakers are mic'd? How they're mic'd? There you go. how they're compressed going in. So then I'll get in. I didn't do it as much in the, on the first one. I expanded on it. And the second for Van Halen two, where I actually show the, the logic screen, Apple logic, right? That's my DAW. That's what I use to record all this stuff with. Mm-hmm. And that's when I showed what it looks like in the DAW. And then in fair, the fair warning video, I went in even further depth than that. So women and children first, I'm approaching a little bit differently because there's just so many things i got the acoustic guitar i got to deal with i got the right i got the Wurlitzer 200 a keyboard i got to deal with for cradle rock oh man right yeah so there's a lot of a lot of moving parts and there's multiple guitars there's the 12 string for in a simple rhyme which i put the teaser video up a while ago oh i did it with my double neck the the Mine's a mine's a Greco, but it's the ES twelve seventy five lawsuit guitar is what mine is. But nice. So it, any yeah, plans on doing Diver Down or eighty four? I think you know I was just going to do some select things off of Women and Children first because I had a lot of requests on it. But as I started getting into it, I went, this thing is monumental. There's the amount of information that's going to be packed into this thing is is ridiculous. I mean, it really is. It's, it's nuts. There's this, there's this thing. I'm, I'm hesitant to say what it is, but he mentions it in the uh, April 80 guitar player magazine issue of what he's, what he's doing with the live amps. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that that ended up in the studio before it went out on the road really for for the amp so that's going to be featured in the in in the breakdown too it's i mean i know i'm teasing it but i don't i don't want to commit to it yet because every like i said before we went on every time i'm, I'm listening back to one of these things i go you know there's some something happening in the low mid that i'm not quite capturing it you know and i've moved the mm-hmm. microphones 150 times you know uh, Mm -hmm. and i've tweaked the eqs and i've done this and there's only so much you can capture with the eq with the mic placement there are certain things that are inherent between the guitar and the amp that the more i get into this the more i am convinced and i can almost tell you by oh that's he's using a paf right there now that's not the paf that's the super 70 because without changing the the rig setup without changing any of it and even if you tweak the eq and post you can't quite get that you know there's a low mid bump or there's a certain hollowness to to something and you you just can't get it without having the right component at the right time that's why i always think that i'm again i say it's always speculation but i i test it and test it and test it and test it until i'm 99% 99% convinced that I'm I'm on the right path. Insane. Because I got nothing People else. don't realize that when they see your videos <laughs> that 
you're doing 600 takes and you're picking the best one out of the 600. Well, it's not that I'm when I when I actually go to film the take, when I go yeah. to do do my little bit playing what abbreviated version of the song I'm going to play, I have a rule that I do two takes and I pick the best one. Okay. But up and because I don't want to beat it to death because that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to do a Van Halen clinic. I'm here to do the Van Halen tone, the sound, the components. Sure. Um, because there are guys that play the stuff better than me, and that's not what I'm here for. Um, but it's it's I'll do the 600 recordings. Like I bet just just this afternoon, I was busier than hell this morning with work. I, I own a marketing company. I was so I was busier than hell. It was a typical Friday morning this morning. And then about one o'clock opened up and I, my office is my studio. So I walked over from my desk and I turned yep. the amps Whoops. on. Same, same here. <laughs> turned everything on. And, and I bet I recorded um, Romeo Delight eight times, 10 times, making adjustments <laughs> in between. Love Just, it. So I would, I record it. I'd say, you know, I, I think about it. I have a theory. Okay. So, the amp gets set up this way. The bias is set this way. So I start out on it with a really broad picture and then I narrow it down. Cause you know, I know what bias settings do in my amplifiers and I know what a different set of tubes will do. I know what V1 does versus V2 versus V3. Um, whether it's a set of EL34s, whether it's a set of six CA7s, I know what they sound like and I know how they behave on the EQ in post. So I, I set out with these preconceived theories by what I hear on the Van Halen record. Album, yeah. Yeah, and then I go, okay, so I'm going to start at this point because this is what I think it is. Photographic evidence, you know, whatever it is, listening evidence, written evidence, and then I start that process. I start with the basic setup from Van Halen one, because I don't think they changed it a lot in the studio as far as the recording setup. So I start with that basic setup. It's always two microphones on the cabinet, one cabinet, but two microphones, because even if you're just using two Celestians instead of a Celestian and a JBL like Van Halen one and Van Halen two, if you're just using one speaker, it becomes one dimensional sounding. Celestians, I don't care you can have a, you know a cabinet with the with all four of them and each one sounds different so that automatically thickens and fattens the sound you're miking two celestials miking them mm -hmm. in the same position but you've got two microphones and you got two tracks so that's already right. expanded your tonal palette so i start there and then i start with my premises and then i go and test them and record listen back uh -uh. Record, you know, make an adjustment, <laughs> make a change, record, listen back. And so when I say I do that probably 600 times or more, it's that's not an exaggeration. And then on an album like Women and Children First, where he's using on the on the basic electric tunes, there's three guitars that he's using on the album, three different guitars. And they're all considerably different. And then you try to blend that with your EQ. Because I try to keep it simple. Because I always think that, well, you're in an old analog studio. So let's keep it as simple as possible. Because that's what they would have done. And there's not a lot of re-EQing for the guitar. He's grabbing a different guitar because he liked the way it sounded. 
not the way sure. it sounded in post when you're tweaking it in post. So right. that's part of the process. It's a it's a painstaking, but really, I mean, it's fun. It's frustrating, but fun. But that's what's taken me so long on Women and Children First is because it's first I had to narrow down the three guitars and the pickups in each one of the guitars. Right. Like so we, now we might I have a caller. Everybody to death. <laughs> we might have a caller coming in. Johnny, we got a caller. Okay. Yeah, we do. And it's short. We have a, we have a specific yeah. question and it's short. Okay. Who is this? Okay. Kurt with a C. Kurt with a C is here. Okay. Hey, Kurt. What's hey, up? Kurt. Hey, Jim. Yes. Uh, pretty enamored by the stuff you, that you're talking about tonight. Here's a specific question. I'll ask it and hang up. On Atomic Punk. Yep. In layman's terms, in in a hundred words or less, <laughs> how did you achieve the rhythm guitar sound that that low bassy airy, for lack of a better description, sound? How did you go about that? If you can say it in layman's terms i would i'd appreciate it and i'll hang up but great show have a great show everybody thank you kurt with thanks kurt okay um, bye johnny bye-bye it is it's an echoplex ep3 that's running through there makes a makes a big difference it's it's the ash body with a paf a low wind a 7 7.8 k paf to make it open and make it woody if you get into overwound pickups it becomes too compressed so you lose that dynamic and that and that pump it sounds like you're running too much compression in post so the, that's why i said earlier the guitar the guitar and the amplifier have to be working together and that's where the dynamic comes in not too much gain on the amplifier and not too much push coming from the guitar that's that's the bottom line. It's as simple as that. Capture it as naturally as possible without too much distortion. Because mm -hmm. there's no, yeah. there isn't any bass. There's no bass bump in that, if I remember right. That's just the natural sound of the amp and the guitar. Everyone if anything, he dimed everything, which he didn't. You know, that's not that's not right. And and right. I think the first album that he dimed everything was Fair Warning. Um, and he didn't dime volume two, he just dimed volume one. Volume two was off. Um, you, you can't get there. The amp gets too compressed, it's too muddy. It's just way too flabby and flubby. And I own, you guys have seen my videos, I've got, I own about eight of these super leads. I mean, there's there's three stacked here. There's another couple over on the other side. Um, I got an old '76 combo super lead, and it's and I got some up in Wisconsin too, where the band is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I used to keep identical setups up in Wisconsin as I have down here, Jeez. so I could I could fly back and forth for the gigs. But right. um, yeah, it's just you can't you can't crank the amplifier. It just, they're, they're, it's too much mush. It's too much mud. Unless, you know, never having heard Ed's amp, the famous 68 spec amp of his, that amp might've been painfully clean. It might've been, 
you know, just the, the cleanest example of a, of a 68 Marshall super lead you've ever heard. I've got, and have played through literally hundreds of four hole marshals. And when you turn them up to 10, they, they flub out and they fart out and they have so much distortion on tap. That's not what you hear in the, in the Van Halen thing in, in the first albums. Right. But when you get to fair warning, that's when it's, that gets that thick grungy. And that's why I say that's the first album that I think he ever dimed it on. And I think it's the only album that he ever did because diver down doesn't sound that way. Diver down goes right. back in 1984 is, I mean, it's it's his 58V with a PAF, and it's it's clean as can be, that album. The guitar sound is really crispy and clean. So, Jay, where are you not, at? It's not dimed. Um, you looking for a guy that owns a Ripley for your 84 video? Actually, yeah. I know, yeah. I know a guy. I have another volunteer, too. That, that He's sitting next to you. Really? <laughs> yeah, Johnny has a black fit, uh, Ripley. I need that and a pair of Music Man amps. <laughs> hey, Jay. There he is. Hello. I was Good waiting. morning. I was waiting. <laughs> I didn't want to jump in when Jim was talking about something. So well, you got talking. to. You got to because I never shut the hell up. Well, that's good. So that means I don't, have to, I don't have to say anything. That's a good thing. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm Jay. Nice hey, to meet Jay. You. Good to meet you. I'm sorry I'm late. It's all right. We have company in. My uh, two-year-old son wouldn't wouldn't go to sleep, so you know. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Well, I'm sitting next to the two two guys that I know that can nail the intro to Mean Streets right now in this. Uh, what do you call it? Four square game. <laughs> four, four square, huh? Yeah, four square. <laughs> who who does it? Who nails it? You're pointing the character's right. pointing the wrong way. <laughs> Point me to it. Do. I want to. I want to watch it. It's a. That's a. That's a feat, man. That is a thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you sometime in private how I um, finally heard what he was doing. Um, it was um, late at night one night, and uh, yeah. I'll explain later. <laughs> yeah, not, not to put you on the spot, Jay. Sorry. For, for, some foreign puff, puff. Foreign substance was involved, and all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh my god! I, I finally hear it! I finally hear it!" Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. It's a thing. It really is. It's a thing, and it's so much of it is it, you have to have the rhythm. I mean, it's that's what it comes mm -hmm. down to. You have to have the rhythm, otherwise, it's a you can't get it. You have yep. to have the rhythm in the field, otherwise, you can play all the right notes, but you aren't going to get it. And I'm not saying I play it. No, I mean nobody will ever play it identical to how it is on the record, but you know. Well, you know, I I can almost now. Alan and I disagreed about this. Back to Alan Garber, <laughs> but shocker. I, I can. I love you, Alan. If you're listening, I do. I love you. I'm not slagging it. Um, I really believe that that got spliced between the the slap and the actual taps oh. at the 12th fret. That transition is is a bitch. It is. You can't. You cannot do it. And Alan says, "Yeah, I've seen a guy do it um, on YouTube." And you still, 
you know, even if you slide up to the fifth fret to do that last pattern of, of slaps, you know, so you can start the start the run on the mm -hmm. fifth fret. You're still changing the, the 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 timbre of the chug that you're slapping down here when you're hitting it on F or F sharp. You know, when you're muting on F or F sharp, so it sounds different, and Ed's doesn't sound different. So, yeah. and then you listen to that transition, and it's they cut they took the razor blade on the tape and they taped it back together. They, I, I guarantee you, they did it. They spliced I it. it. Cause that, that's the one thing that like, when I'm, when I'm trying to play that, I'm like, that's, if you, if you can get that even close to smooth, it's like, okay. You, you know. ever notice he never did it live? Yeah, I know. Well, he, sometimes he'll, uh, there's like be a slight delay, like going from. He never that. did it live. Yeah. He never did it live. He did all kinds of great embellishments and you know, that the 5150 solo is killer. Yeah. When he's doing the he's doing the takeoff on it, you know, up at the twelfth fret and right. sliding the first finger back and forth in the taps oh, yeah. for the slaps. Mind blowing. That's killer stuff. But yeah, he he I never saw him play it that way ever, the way it is on the record. So don't don't kill yourself on it. It can't be done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough cocaine, I don't think, that you can do that. <laughs> no, I would never no, I've never done that. That's not <laughs> No, well, no. I'm a child of the '80s, so you know I, I can I can tell you, but <laughs> I shouldn't say that I'm a child of the '60s, but I grew up playing guitar in the '80s. And, uh, yeah, I, wish, I think we we can all say we wish we did. You know, <laughs> it was a different time. I'll tell you that. Remember, I was I was giving guitar lessons when I was a broke working musician. I was at a music store giving guitar lessons, and I had one of my students come in, and you know, I would I would be gigging Friday nights and I'd smell like euros and whiskey on Saturday morning. I'd meet the moms, you know, and everything. Like, oh my God, it'd be so ridiculously hungover. The kids loved it. You know, they all wanted to be rock stars, you know, rock and roll guys. And so I was their mentor. But I remember one of them said, Man, I sure am glad I didn't grow up in the 70s and early 80s because you really had to learn how to play, didn't you? You know, because this was in the this was in the 90s. The grunge 90s when yeah. that whole thing was starting yeah because it was it was a different world i mean you had all these that's where all shredders. The, the shredders started coming from it's like my yep. god these guys can play I, I mean i i can't sweep pick if my life depended on it i don't even i don't even have to understand the concept for god's sake i can't sweep pick yeah because i i mean I'm, I'm trying to think the exact year i started playing i was either it was either on my 14th birthday or 15th birthday so that would have made 91 or 92 right yeah so obviously i grew up listening to all the, you know the hang on the let me figure out how old you are let me yeah 77 i was born there you go so yeah, carry the one so you know i grew up listening to all the van halen and stuff and then obviously when passion of warfare came out with steve Vai, larry mitchell's first record which is very underrated um mr big and all that stuff you know all the all the just magnificent players yeah so when I started playing guitar, that's what I was trying to do. And obviously James Hetfield with the rhythm playing and stuff. But yeah. once grunge came in, it almost gave you an excuse not to work on that type of stuff. You know, right. it, almost, it almost gave you an excuse to be a lazy guitar player for lack of a better way to say it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I grew up for, for the shredding. I grew up with uh, Race with the Devil on Spanish Highway, Al Miola. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so that's why if you ever watch me play, I, I try to pick every note. You know, I try to do that. I don't that's why I couldn't sweep if I 
if my, like I said, with my life dependent, I don't do arpeggio sweepings. You know, I, I got to play the whole damn thing back and forth, but. Wow. I'm just, I'm just weird that way. <laughs> yeah. Sweeps. I mean, they're cool in moderation. You know what I mean? Like every once in a while, somebody throws one in. Oh, I wish I could do it. I, I really do. I wish, you know, I wish I, I wish I would discipline myself to sit down for about a week and figure out how the hell to do it and do it cleanly. But, but no. I, I learned, I learned the easiest, I think it was a, a, was it a five string sweep? Just one. And it's like supposedly one of the easiest ones. It sounds cool, but again, it's like, I learned one and I was like, all right, so a sweep, like, you know, I, of course I'd love to be able to do it all over the place, but I don't want to be one of those guys that just right. does all that stuff, you know? Right. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, as, as much as I do, it's the only ones I would ever do are like the three stringers that Blackmore used to do way back mm. when, you know. Yeah. Anyway, off on a tangent again. I'm known for that. Sorry, guys. No, but that's, I was, you know, Johnny and I, you know, I've been doing these with Johnny for about four years and stuff like that. And I think what makes this show cool is that it's not just like an interview thing where question, answer, question, answer. We actually get into conversations and, and, talk about stuff you know yeah it's a yeah. bullshit session yeah well that's yeah that's what counts anyway <laughs> podcast i dig it so i don't know what I, you guys talked about so i don't want to like ask you know say something and then all of a sudden you're like oh we discussed that an hour ago you idiot you know <laughs> so so jim since jay's jumping in a little a little late which is cool we'll forgive him later but i really wanted to talk to you about your We'll call it theory, right? Because it's yep. not, we don't, none of us know. And we'll never really, but, right. Right. Let's talk about pickups and pots and, you know, equipment. Um, I know you're really good at putting your ear to the equipment that you have and coming up with the closest sound that your ear picks up. And I watched mm -hmm. all your videos and I watched your Tone Talk uh, video as well. And, you're pretty persistent and consistent with your theory. Right. Let's talk a little bit about 78, 79, 80, 81, uh, maybe the 5150 guitar. Kind yeah. of what your theory is on what he was using and how you've kind of obtained it in some of your videos. Well, all right. So if you want to start 78, um, the guitar, the pickup, the, if you if you believe what he said, if you if you take heed of what he said, he he stole his he ripped the pickup out of his sixty one three thirty five, a sixty one paf. You know whether it was the bridge or the neck, they didn't really. Gibson didn't care if one was hotter than the other. They just grabbed him and and popped him in because that nobody cared about that. If the guitar balanced. Or if it didn't balance, if you were in the middle position or one pickup was louder than the other. So they didn't care. So you might get a, you know, you might get a, all right, well, let me, let me backtrack. An 8K wound PAF in that day was pretty rare. That was somebody who fell asleep running the winder. <laughs> you know, Friday afternoon. So if you ever got an overwound 8.2, 8.3K PAF, 
that's an that's an oddball. Most of them through that era were the seven and a half to seven point eight, seven point nine k. So they're all under eight k. So if you start with that premise, I mean, also you know they were using um, Gibson was using a twos. They were using um, a a threes and a fours, but mostly a twos and some A5s, and they were all long, the long magnet. I don't know if you know the difference between the short magnets and the long magnets. You know, that's another, that's a whole other concept and, and whole discussion. But in short, what happened in, in 60 for Gibson, you know, they were always trying to source and supply and everything. So what happened in 60 was they got a bunch of short A5, short rough cast A5 magnets. <laughs> And it's a weaker magnet, has a, has a narrower magnetic field. So the pickup is actually pretty weak. So I started with that premise. So if he truly pick, pulled the pickup out of that ES-335 and put it in his ash-bodied Charvel reject body um, with a maple fingerboard, and I wish I had done the 250K pot because I've since done that on, that, on my guitar, and it made made all the difference, like I had talked about earlier, before Jay, you know, was here. But before I barged in, <laughs> messed the flow up. <laughs> so when you listen to the, I think the big mistake that everybody makes when they listen to Van Halen One is they they hear all this gain. They think they're hearing gain. You're not hearing gain. You're hearing a lot of reverb. You're hearing a lot of compression. That's you know, it's funny, if, if, for those that have recorded, if you take a relatively, a relatively, just, I mean, just a, like a crunch guitar, crunch guitar sound, and you compress it, and you compress it properly and EQ it, it all of a sudden starts to sizzle, and you're, because you're compressing that bandwidth, you're, the, the whole dynamic range of the guitar is getting squeezed, mm -hmm. and so you're getting, that's where, that's the sound, that's the sound that you're hearing. If you listen to, so in my research, so if you listen to like there's the Philadelphia bootleg from 78 and they play, yeah. they open up with I'm the one or maybe it's the second song. It's I'm the one. You can find it on YouTube. Go listen to that. Listen how clean that guitar is. Now, that's a that's somebody sticking up a recorder in the in the auditorium or it's a it's a board mix, whatever it is. Listen how clean that guitar is. It is so clean. There's no there's no grind and fuzz on it. It's just like. You're playing through a Fender Twin, damn near. You know that's the way, right. and that's the way Marshall Super Leads sound. If they're not cranked, they're just they're they gawk. They go gawk 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 gawk, and they got they're bright, and they and that's what they sound like. So if you start with that premise, and you start with that pickup, and then you mic it, and you and you have the same amplifier, the same build, you know, the same general build of a '68 Marshall Super Lead. And then you put a variac on it, which squishes it out a little bit more when you run it down lower. And the 90 volt thing, I think, is an arbitrary figure. You know, the thing that keeps getting repeated about it was always at 90 volts. I think it was a lot lower than that. I've got a buddy that swears that there was a mark on his variac that's 67 volts. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's this was the sweet spot, but that was later on. But Anyway, you throw all that together and you and you mic it properly and you run it through the proper outboard gear, or in my case, through the proper plugins that are mimicking the outboard gear, 
you all of a sudden you start to hear that big sound. You start to hear that the more distortion because you can't you can't play those licks with all that mush and distortion. It's clean. And I tell you what, it's easier to play clean than it is when you've got all that gain and compression coming out of the amp because you hear everything. When your action is up pretty high and you're picking everything, that's the other thing. Your action is should be fairly high on the guitar because that opens it up and makes it more woody sounding too. It makes it more earthy sound. When it's too low, you get too much fret slap and you hear that on the recordings too. So you, you hear that on... I hear that on my recording, so I have to force myself. All right, you got to work for it today. You got to raise your action again because we're recording. Because you know, which is, the last, raise, which is the last thing a guitar player wants to do is raise their action. I, well, it's true, but that's the way the guitar right. sounds better. It yeah, really no, does, and that's that's all part of the trick. So I don't know if I answered your question with a thousand words or less, but well, let me, let me piggyback <laughs> that. Let, let me just let me just piggyback that, Jim. So basically, what you're saying essentially is. That when people are trying to mimic the guitar tone, especially from Van Halen one, they're trying to get it all out of an amplifier with reverb. Yep. And right. that's not how it was attained. Or it I was, learned uh, a lesson a long, long time ago. When I first when I first went out on tour and I was playing my first big theater, and I was using this, I was using a Marshall 50 watt super lead into another hundred watt as the as the output and I was running my effects in between. So I was dummy loading the 50 watt into, you know, simple setup kind of thing. Bye, Kurt. And yeah, where'd Kurt go? Yeah, no, he asked the question. He asked <laughs> his question. question. <laughs> so anyway, Kurt. <laughs> so I had and I had a Sennheiser 421 for the for the guitar mic, you know, for that for it, it's so I'm in a 3,000 seat auditorium. At that point in my career, it was the biggest room I'd ever played. And I'm doing sound check. And I've got this, I've got this massive guitar sound. It sounds so killer on stage coming out of the cabinet, you know, coming out of the stack, coming out of the speaker cabinet. It's full, it's rich, it's got the effects on it, you know. And the sound man comes over to me, he goes, Can you back the bass off? Hmm. I said, Well, no. <laughs> And he goes, he goes, so I walk out front, you know, I'm wireless. I walk out front and, I, and it sounds like complete and utter dog shit coming out of the PA. Just horrible. So I learned early on that the sound that you hear coming out of your home stereo, your car stereo, is not what the guitar amp really sounded like when it was being recorded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the basic sound, there's the basic tonality. You don't, you know, you're not doing a lot of EQ adjustment and all that stuff. So there's the basic tonality, but all that gain and everything that you hear, it's not coming out of the amp. Not not if you want it to sound, have any kind of clarity on the recording. And that's that's one of the magic points about the whole Van Halen sound is that it's really, really clean, really clean. Did I answer it? You were gone. Yeah, Kurt. Nice to you. I heard it. <laughs> I had to feed the dogs. I was, I was literally hour, gone forty seconds. I was an hour late, and you uh, and you're now you're the one that was uh. And I hadn't stopped talking yet. See. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but and, sorry, go ahead, Johnny. And I I totally agree. I've I've 
I hate to say it, but yeah, I've said that for years on this channel, that that tone is is super clean. And a lot of what you hear on that album, it's 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 magic. It's yeah. not what was heard well, in that studio. I, I wouldn't say, I mean, that's what, it's funny because that's what the amp sounds like. Microphones don't hear the way your ear hears. Mm -hmm. So when you when you're close micing a, a 12 inch speaker, I mean, stick your ear down there, yeah, and see what it does to your ear. There's a lot don't of sound. Pressure. Don't leave it blasting when you do that, but you know. <laughs> well, but that's what it is. So that's the other. Yeah, thing. Know, that's I the know. other. Thing. You got to move air to get that sound. But yep. um, microphones don't hear. But then when you put up a room mic. You know, when you listen to the room mic by itself, yeah, the guitar kind of has that sound as it's as you're getting some natural delay within the room and everything. You kind of start it starts to come together. You're hearing reflections coming off the walls and the mic is picking all that up. So you're getting some natural. Some of that gain like that. One of the good examples of that is when you listen to that, the sunset sound with uh, Brian um, Key. How do you pronounce his name? Kihu, Kihu, Brian Kihu. Mm -hmm. Kihu. He's doing the Sunset Sound series, and they've got the room mic set up with the with the eruption take. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's what the room mic sounds like. Because, but that's not what the SM57 in front of the speaker cabinet sounds like. It's a little bit different. So, yep. blending all that together, and that's a whole that's a whole another thing. You guys, I'm sure you guys know who Mike Himmel, right? Mm-hmm. So Mike and I have been talking about the the sound in the room. It's been a big thing, and I wanted to include this in the the upcoming Women and Children First video, but it's already become such a monumental thing. What I did is I've got the drum kit back here. Mike and I had theorized yeah. that when they when they recorded they're always in the same room now yeah they use gobos and and sound you know sound deadening between all the instruments but you can hear the drums bleeding through you can hear the guitar bleeding through the drum tracks you can hear all that so we theorize that the the bottom end is super elusive on the van halen guitar sound recorded it's hard to yep. get that and part of that is the room that sunset sound, and it's also the 14 open microphones on the drum kit. So you've yeah, got a room mic, you've got a U47 or a 67 as a room mic, then you've got three overheads on the drum kit, and you've got snare top and bottom, toms top and bottom, and all those mics are open, and they're capturing the guitar. So that was the experiment, and I did. I wanted to include it. So when I was recording initially, it got to be too much. Sorry, but <laughs> I was, I'll do that in another video. But so when I was recording guitar parts, every time I pushed record, I was recording 16 tracks at a time. I was recording the whole the whole room, all of those mics on the drum kit in this room. And I had the drum kit EQ'd to make it sound good on tape or on on the recording so that those mics, you know, and, and certain things, the snare might have been a little gated and things. So I set the drum kit up the way the drum kit would be set up in the studio and mic'd it that way and then recorded all my guitar parts with all of those open mic channels. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's that's part of the sound. That's part of where that mysterious 
fullness comes from in the Van Halen sound. So the best way to mimic that without doing all of that, without miking up a drum kit and recording that many tracks every time, because you got to have a pretty powerful computer to do that too, because it started to choke. Um, use the use the IK Multimedia Sunset Sound Reverb and set up um, a send channel for the for the room. Sunset Sound Studio Two Position Three, and then mix a hair of that in, and you get some of that elusive fullness that you can't get just from the close mics that you that you mic in the speaker can in the four by twelve with. So, Jim, do you know um, Cameron Brown, guitar player from Scotland? I don't think so. Okay, because he's he's one of those guys that that you know can get a lot of that Eddie Van Halen stuff. And he recently got the um, Sunset Sound plug-in and he sent me a, a clip a couple weeks ago and he's like, dude, listen to this. And yeah. he's like, this, this plug-in is, is ridiculous. It so, is. It's awesome. I, it, it is. It's, I use, I use the plates. There's two plate reverbs. There's an echo plate yeah. and an EMP 140. Um, there's the chambers. You got a chamber for a studio one, studio two and studio three. They all sound different. You got high pass, low pass filters on them. You got pre-delay on all of them. And then you've got the rooms. You've got the ISO right. booths. You got the rooms. I love room it. One, I love that. Two. Yeah. So what I do is I, I take a, I send it to a bus. So I send the guitar signal to a bus and I have it set up for studio two. Cause that's where Van Halen did most of their stuff is in, in the big room studio two with um there's three mic positions three room mic positions you can choose from and, and it's listed right there in the literature on the ik multimedia thing is that they used position three so the u47 or the u67 was set up in position three so you just click on that you click on position three it's sampled from the room of studio two in that position and you just blend a little bit of that into your track and it's it brings that fullness to the track and it's subtle, but it's, it, it helps a great deal. It's a lot easier than setting up the 14 mics on the drum kit. <laughs> yeah. And making sure everything is phased correctly and all that. Oh great. yeah. That's the bitch right there. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Well, Jay, that's, that's why I'm glad you joined. Cause Jim, Jay, he's, he mixes. No, not cool. only was there he a guitarist in a band, but he's, he's got an ear for all this and, I knew the cool. two of you once you not, met each not other. Not as thorough as Jim's, obviously, but not as thorough as Jim's. But uh, well, I'm a bit of a nut job, but you know, it's, <laughs> well, it's when, so you have to be though. For you have to be for a lot yeah. of this stuff. I mean, I've I've recorded I've recorded. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think. The most microphones I've recorded on a drum kit was 21. Yikes! And it's 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 a pain in the ass because yes, it's it like is. it's that you're, you're like oh we're doing all these drums all these mics. But a million things can go wrong, and next thing you know, you're 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 tracking a song, and you're like, "The hell is that? What's rattling?" Yeah. You know? And you get well, you snoring. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, there's so many things that can go wrong. The, my my favorite thing about recording is usually drums, but then once you're like a song or two in, it's like you can't wait for the drums to be over because you know well, a drum goes out of tune a little bit, and you're like, you know, yeah. And, and then you're recording live in the studio with the band. And the guitar player goes, "Hey, can we punch that?" And you got cymbal wash all over the goddamn place. Oh, hey, can God. we can we punch in right here? And you got, to, oh, for God's sakes, let me find a clean place to get you in and get you out because you got cymbal wash, 
And yeah. you can actually hear that. I pre I think it's on Running with the Devil. You can hear a punch on Running with the Devil because the symbol wash changes. Yeah, if he's if you're not hitting the same symbol on a part or something, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of times like, dude, what, what symbol were you hitting? <laughs> okay, <It is. laughs> yeah, you got to figure it out. Which one? It is. It's you a know. thing. So you and I, you know, I learned that because I came up in the old analog days, you know, recording on twenty four track, two inch twenty four track. Mm -hmm. So I mean. It's a, it's a totally different world. And that's kind of the way I like to approach what I'm doing here too, is like I'm in a 24 track analog studio. And that's why I try to record it live. I try to record it in one pass, not a lot of fixing going on, just leave the warts and all, just play it and do it. Cause that's part of the magic too, the, the, sl the drags and the pushes and all that stuff. That's part well, of it. Johnny and I have talked about this a bunch of times uh, and Kurt likes hearing crap like this too, but you know, obviously in the, in the digital realm of recording, when you can, when you can see everything nowadays, it's so hard not to fix things because it's not right. like when you're hearing something, if you're not hearing it with a click track, like you, the, like you said, the push, and I, hate the natural, I, won't, I won't do it. The natural human you know, feel of a song and, you know, sometimes you a little, little speed up on a chorus or something and you pull back there like that stuff. It sounds natural in the context of a song when you're listening to it, but all of a sudden when you're, when you're seeing stuff like, Oh, the drummer right here, he sped up a little bit. We got to fix that. It's like, Oh, it's so hard not to sometimes. No, you, you don't. I mean, Rick B. I think it was Rick Beato. He Rick does Beato, that. Yeah. He does that. I think it's Bonham's oh, yeah. fool in the rain. Mm-hmm where he, he plays the isolated yeah. Fool in the Rain I've drum track, and then he quantizes it and mm -hmm. puts it on the grid, puts it on the click. It destroys the feel, completely destroys the feel. And I it think it's that's, sterile. A big, that's a big part of what's wrong with modern rock is everything's on the grid. Everything is a click, and it's it's you might as well program a drum machine. Screw it. Right. That's I mean, the beauty of Van Halen. Listen to Romeo Delight. They're all over the friggin' map on that song. They're up and down, push, pull. They're coming out of that bridge break where he's doing, he's, he's spanking the low E on the on the humbucker, you know, getting the tick, 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 and the thing is ready to feed back, and they're all coming in. It's a, it's a cluster when they're coming back in because it's like everybody's looking at Al. Okay, let's go. And it's yeah. like. It's all feel. It. all feel. Yeah, it's all feel, and they're just all looking at each other. They're not counting it. You're not going, okay, one, two, three, four, one, click, click, click. Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. No, it's, it's like it's grandpa here. <laughs> Nonsense. Get off my lawn. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's somebody walking on my lawn. Hang on. Let me go get my wing cluster. <laughs> Hang on. I am no, in the south, you know. I can go get my Winchester for guys. Oh, Jim, I think. We're in the yeah, we don't want to get into Natural. firearms, but uh, oh, I, I think okay. Eddie kind of had a, he had a, I guess we'll call it a rule. He wouldn't go over three or four takes, you know, because he, he felt like if anything over that, you were trying too hard and you lose yeah. that feel. You lose the magic. And I, yeah. I make myself stop too. Like when I'm doing these videos, I'll <laughs> start, you know, you get hypercritical, you listen back and you say, you know, it's like, it's like, what the hell, what the hell is Alan going to say? <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I missed it. Sorry, Alan. I love you. I really do. <laughs> and I really do. Alan I really have some here, man. Alan has some here. Um, yeah, well, we love you. Again, that's the beauty and, and the curse of, of like tracking yourself is like, yep. You you'll notice some tiny little thing, even if even if it sounds good, you're like, well, I know I didn't fret it entirely right, so I'm gonna re re-record it because I'll always know that I messed. It's like, what well, are you doing? Yeah. I mean, listen to listen to Ed's ISO tracks. I mean, I know we all have. He's up and down tempo wise. He misses notes constantly. He's but that's part of the groove. That's part of the magic. Yeah, you know, just listen to that isolation track on on Romeo Delight. I know I've heard it about six thousand times now in the last week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've just heard today. Then I've heard me playing it that many times in the you know, and recording it and playing it back. And it's, it's kind of a mess. I mean, it's really, it's, it's magical, but it's kind of a mess. And if you put that on the grid, it wouldn't sound anything like, and if you fixed his mistakes, it would lose the magic. It would lose the personality. Yeah. So I, I really try to do that when I'm doing these videos is I try to I try to one take them as often as possible. And if I, if I have to run it again and I keep screwing up three is my maximum. If I, if, if it takes me three takes and I don't get it, I, I move on. I move on to something else. You and I'll, come, I'll come there. back to it another time. It's just, so, it's, mm -hmm. you, you lose, it gets stale. You lose the feel in the groove. We, we've had this, um, I don't want to say argument, but we've had this talk about, who plays to who in Van Halen? And I think, especially after you watch like Live Without a Net, right? I think that Al plays to Eddie because Eddie has some, he has great timing, great rhythm. And there's a lot of times where Eddie will like look back at him and he'll like, he'll pull Al back a little bit. Like, hey, let's, let's, yeah. you know. Well, you know, my brother being the drummer, and he, he, we covered this before you came in, but we have a similar story, a similar upbringing. Mm -hmm. And my brother used to notice live, Al would, would stand up on his drum riser and yell at Ed to like, slow the fuck down. And he would, he would tell him that he would, he would say, slow it down, slow it down. You're pushing, you know, mm -hmm. cause those guys, you know, the amount of cocaine that goes <laughs> You know, it's it's hard not to be off to the races, but I think you even see it in. Um, I think it's in live without a net. You see Al say something to Ed, like slow it down. I think it might be summer nights, or it might be. It's one of those where he leans over the drum kit and he's saying something to Ed, like calm down, because Ed used to be off to the races all the time. So I think, I think it went both ways. I don't think Al played to Mike. No. I think Al played. To, I think they interacted. I think that's the best way to say it. Well, the eye contact is, especially the beginning of Get Up, when Ed Eddie yeah. walks over and he's playing the intro, and all yeah. of a sudden Alex comes flying in, and Eddie's like, oh, shit, here we yeah. go. And he's like, okay, okay. Yeah. And, and if you that's notice, a DNA chain. DNA yeah. chain. Yeah, and if you notice watching that song, right, Eddie does not move from next to Alex until the end of the song when he runs up with with uh, Mike well, and Sammy at the very end. Can can you play to that friggin' drum beat? That thing is—they're floating on that song, man. Oh, it's floating. nuts! I mean, you yeah. think Hopper Teacher is wild? That thing is nuts. I mean, yeah. that song is just right. nutty, wacky, nutty. 
That's why Eddie's yeah. standing where he always is on stage. Is Al's yep. right there? Yep. But the eye contact is a, is a big thing for anybody that's you know been in a band, not and not even just playing live, but even you know pra- like just jamming. Well, you know, just- my, my, in my my Van Halen tribute thing, I hate to call it a tribute cover band, whatever. You know, you can yeah. see some of our videos on YouTube too, but. Um, the bass player who's a great friend of mine. He's so, he's been so used to being stage left and it's like, I don't want to be stage left because I want to look over the, the hi-hat at my brother because I can't see him through his crash symbols, Tom, Tom and ride. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to look at the hi-hat gap seriously. But Daryl, the bass player goes, I got to look at John. I got to look at your brother. I got to, like well all right so i'll stand stage right i look like the odd man out but whatever yeah so no sour grapes but i would rather be looking directly and making the eye contact with the drummer especially since he's my brother you know yeah so and we grew up playing together so yeah there's that connection that you just can't explain to people when you've been playing with some especially if like like kurt said the dna chain thing like that's exactly what it is yeah sometimes you just just a little eye contact and you instantly know Oh, it's an it's an instant look, you know. Way back in the in the old days, we we rehearsed <laughs> back in, a, in my day. We we no, we rehearsed when I was a young guy. We rehearsed in a we were you missed the whole story. We were we were my brother and I were pretty poor. We grew up pretty poor, and we rehearsed at um, our rich friends. His father was a lawyer, a successful lawyer, and they had this three story brick mansion with the huge columns out front and we got the whole basement and my brother this singer was a good guy but his tempo was terrible so my brother would get pissed because the song because this guy was playing rhythm guitar and singing and i was playing lead and he'd get my brother would get pissed he tap your fucking foot and he'd, <laughs> and he'd finally get so mad he'd come out and chase me up the stairs. He'd say, take your guitar off because I'm going to kick your ass. I said, what the fuck did I do? (laughs) And so he would later explain, I couldn't beat up Bill, the singer, because we rehearsed there. I had to take my frustration out on you because you're my brother. I had to beat somebody up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would get and I'd get chunks of cymbal. He'd hit the drum so hard he'd crack the brass and a piece of brass would hit oh. me in the back of the head. Yeah, good old those oh, were the good gosh. days. And one thing cool about Sammy Hagar, he used to say that when he first started with Van Halen in you know 85, 86, Ed used to tap on the, the Sammy's foot so he could keep up with Ed's rhythm and know where he was going. Yeah. Um in the I studio. I believe yeah. it. That's wild. And Jay, before you got on, Jim, he had a small stint in Chicago. I don't know if oh, you really? heard that. Yeah, I was there. Well, actually, I was there for like 10, 12 years. But when? Um, I used to play at Reggie's. That's that's how I started this Van Halen thing. You know Reggie's on South State? Played at Reggie's, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. So, you know, they, they do um, Mitch, the owner. He's, he does um, – classic albums live on the last Thursday of every night or every month, last, last Thursday of every month, they do classic albums live. And the, and your job is to come in and play one classic album front to back 
and then you're done. So my neighbor was the marketing director for Reggie's and, and he, you know, we used to sit out in the backyard and he'd hear me wanking away on the guitar and he goes, wanking. You play that Van Halen stuff, don't you? I said, yeah, I yeah, I know my way around it. Kind I of dabble. I dabble I mean, a little bit of back then, back then I just kind of did. I mean, I hadn't I hadn't done the 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 deep dive. Yeah, I had played the songs throughout the years, but I had never actually sat down and really learned Analyzed. learned it, you know, front to back, all the nuance and the details. But yeah, I could fake my way through it. So he says, you know, we do this thing at down at Reggie's and it's a classic albums and, and we've, nobody's ever had the guts to do Van Halen. I know you can do it. And this was, this was springtime and I didn't have a band. I had kind of retired from playing fully. I mean, I just kind of wanked on my own kind of thing. Hey, yeah. I do the same thing. <laughs> Oh, we're talking guitar. Sorry. Uh, sorry. And uh, double entendre, but I was. Um, <laughs> so it's springtime, and he goes, All right, I'm going to get you booked. I said, Well, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't even have a band. So he goes, All right, well, I'll give you. So anyway, long story short, he goes, You're booked for October. And, we're, and you're doing Van Halen 1. I'm going, <laughs> Okay, I don't have a singer. I don't have a bass player. I, let me call my brother, see if he's willing to play the drums, because he had long since retired. He's like a golf pro. <laughs> like, so we do it, and we threw the band together. That's why I had an identical setup of my rig in Wisconsin, so I could go back and forth. I wouldn't have to haul stuff back and forth mm -hmm. from Chicago to Wisconsin, because those guys all lived up in Wisconsin, the Madison area. So, and we found a actually my. My future son-in-law was, I recruited him to sing. Oh, boy. And he was he was having a hard time. He's he's much younger. He loved he loved the vibe of Van Halen. But, you know, doing David Lee Roth is a whole swagger and a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I had a mutiny before the gig by my brother and Daryl, the bass player. They said, we're not, we're not going to go on with Angelo. We're not going to play. It's like. I said, nobody, come on, nobody gives a crap. Nobody cares. Everybody is there to see, I hate to say it, everybody wants to see me fuck up. Or they want to see if I can pull it off or I can fuck up. You know, and and that's what it was. And it was a, it was a smashing success. So we, um, we've got a standing invite to come back anytime we want. We've played there. We've done multiple albums and multiple shows. We did Van Halen 2 then, and we went in and we did uh, Fair Warning. We came back and we did the live sets from the 78 tour. I mean, we've done a, we've done a lot of, of just that at Reggie's, so just because it's a it's a good time, and we always we always bring in a pretty good crowd when we do the Van Halen crap. So. You see, what, what Jim said, everybody watching, what Jim said, the way he, he – that might be construed as, hey, everyone's there to see me. But we have we have a buddy we have a, we have a buddy nope. Caleb who's in, who's in a Van Halen tribute band Nerd Halen right yeah and him he and I have talked about it you know everybody in that band in a Van Halen tribute band can can do it right everybody oh, can oh, there's you know, a lot but, yeah but if the guitar player isn't playing that stuff up to snuff people are gonna be looking around at each other like 
Yeah. Who are they playing? What are, what are these guys doing? You know, so everybody else has a little bit of leeway. You can like, all right, all right. But the guitar guy, the guitar has got to be on. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So that's that's where I started before I started the video series. That's when I put together the rig that, you know, I had always had the Marshall rig and that like we had talked about before. But that's where I put together the actual. Our, our claim to fame was with this tribute band was we're going to do it as accurately as possible with the equipment they did it with and at the volume they did it. At. <laughs> Seriously. We, yeah. And we yeah. did. And I, well, I, would I, go, <laughs> I would go into Reggie's and I would play. Two pays I mean, are flying off. <laughs> I would, and you know, we, so you're familiar with Reggie. So we'd be in the music joint, the smaller side, uh -huh. the joint, you know, you got the, you got the venue. We played there once in, I think it was either 2005 or six. So, so they got the venue on one side, then they've got the music joint and that's where the classic albums and the joint is like, it's like CBGB's. It's the coolest rock club. It's a super mm. cool rock club. Mm. And so the stage is tiny. I think their whole light rig is it consists of two red lights. It's two guys up there with flat one guy with flashlights up there. Just no, so you sit up there, there's no there's no scene changes or anything. You yeah. sit up there and you play your ass off and you play it the way it is. So I'd go in there with a full stack and a hundred watt marshal, non-master marshal. I'd crank the variac down to about, you know, 78 volts, something like that. <laughs> And we'd go, and the bass player's got an SVT stack, a couple of a couple of the cabinets. You know, she's got two two of the eight by ten SVT cabs, and I had given him a um, um, what was that old that the Altair power attenuator? Do you guys remember that thing from the early early eighties? It was it was about this big, and if you looked inside it, it looked like a toaster. It had a bunch of metal coils in it Coils, <laughs> and it had a big stove knob that clicked on it, it was called the altair power attenuator i found uh -huh. one for him because you know the svt is a 300 watt amp and like any good bass player that i'll ever play with he wants to play a big old tube amp play it loud and it and get that natural tube breakup you know because you got to get that growl with the bass yeah tube is right so I got him. I, I I found this thing on eBay or something. This power attenuator. He, it's the main part of his rig because he cranks that SVT and he knocks it back a little bit with the with the attenuator, and he gets that <laughs> that running with the devil, that grind. That so that was our thing, and we're gonna we're gonna play it the way it was done, and it's it was it was a lot of fun, and we're on you know hiatus, COVID, all that crap, but we haven't right. done one since. So what years were you out in in, uh, in Chicago? I moved there in 98, 99. Oh, okay. And I've been in Nashville here for almost probably nine years now. I've been in Nashville. So you're in Nashville. I have, I have a buddy who um, was actually on one of the shows that we do on this channel. Um, he's, a, he's an engineer, mixer, Mark Lewis. He does like metal, metal stuff. I didn't you know. know. You know, everybody here is in the business. So okay, yeah, I figured I just... I figured you're in Nashville. He's in Nashville. I'd throw it out. You know, everybody here is in the business. You know, you know, there's that lawyer, you know Bob that Smith, in the entertainment industry. You know, it's it is. It's everybody you meet is you know like. 
A Not too long ago, I was bumping <laughs> elbows with Vince yeah. Gillard at a small restaurant in Franklin. You know, it's, bumping, it's bumping yeah, stomach. Nashville's awesome. Yeah, Ca- Cameron is. down in the house. He just jumped in. What's up, hey, Cameron? Cameron? We were just talking uh, crap about you. I mean, uh, we were talking <laughs> very kindly about you, Cameron. Hey, Cameron. Hey, man. Johnny, I'm going to do a man. quick unboxing. Cool. Unboxing, and then we're giving away that strap. On. <laughs> I didn't hear that. What do you have there, Kurt? Can I see your address? Yeah, show the address. Address. Oh! Oh! oh. Oh, don't oh, hurt us. They now. Holy cow. I love you, Kurt. Anybody it was Alan. <laughs> yeah, come here, Garber. <laughs> Stop it now. Stop. <laughs> I love Alan. I really do. We, we, we do love, we love yeah, Alan. He's a genius. <laughs> All right. So I got a I got a gift here from Fairfield Guitars <laughs> who produced the 78 we'll call it bomber strap gunner strap guitar oh my gosh giving away a strap give it away away now you gotta be careful away echo giving oh oh my gosh well your internet is just kind enough to send me (laughs) a promotional package tonight package yeah, we can tell what that is <laughs> kurt man yeah. <laughs> if you could always see what we see yeah, probably a bunch of blurry shit <laughs> my eyes they ain't so good <laughs> my glasses <laughs> kurt send it to me and i'll unbox it here we go Bomber strap. Fifty-one fifty number. Ooh. Oh. Sorry, yeah. Alan. We'll have to take your word for it, Kurt. Fifty-one out of fifty. Bomber strap four. Nice. First <laughs> pixels are sharp like 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 Boner Jam's haircut. <laughs> My seventy-eight replica. So, is that what that is? We can't we see it. <laughs> Jim laughs. Jim couldn't take the internet. He, he split. <laughs> Jim's going to get some more whiskey. It's like I can't even see what this guy's showing. R two R three wants to know if this is four K. It's point four K. Can you see that, Jay? Dude, your internet was great like 20 minutes ago. All right, show it now. Show it now. Show it now. You're there it is. For a you can see it now. You're clear for a minute. Show it. Look at that. Wow. Look at Dude. I'd come and steal that from you, but I'm a, I'm a little afraid of your knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There it is. Look at oh, that. we're getting phone calls. <laughs> Sorry, my dog was going nutty outside. I got some coyotes in the area. I want to see what he was up oh. to. Oh, Jim, that's Hello. my specialty. Hey, Johnny, it's Kurt with a C. Hey, Kurt with a C. Hello? Ask 
Kurt with a K, if that was a hostage video from Ukraine that I just oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, oh that's it. dark. Please that's ask him. Dark. Ask him. Oh. <laughs> Kurt with a C. I wouldn't take a knife. I wouldn't take a knife to a gunfight. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Knife. That's, a knife. That's not a knife. Lucky bastard. <laughs> Crikey. Anyway, Lewis from Fairfield Guitars, thank you so much for the strap. I love it. Um, and like Johnny said, we're giving away a Bumblebee strap. He's also doing uh, Eddie's. Oh my God, it's clear. 80, uh, 7980 Frankenstein Strat with the black and red tape. He's also doing a 5150. So more to come. This is uh, nice. the last run on the 100 that he did. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Well, cool. Lewis from what? what's the Strat company? Fairfield Guitar Company. Lewis from Fairfield Guitar Company. Maybe the next time Kurt does an unboxing, you could... Not only send him a strap, but you could upgrade his internet for the day. <laughs> hey, that I need that right here. I need that on this one. Oh, he's gonna have to make another. Uh... He's got to make another one. Gotta give well, me a strap. Well, use that this strap on both of those guitars. I know he did. That's why I'm saying. Yeah. And you got to keep these loose, by the way. Mm. Which I will detail in the Women and Children first video. That's the key to tone. Tone. Very cool. Suck I don't mean Jay. to bust your bust your balls so much, Kurt. I apologize, man. No, I don't. No, it's that's cool. Okay. I don't I don't take it seriously. I know, that's why I do it. By the way, <laughs> Kurt, I, I unboxed he Kurt sent me something last week, and for like five minutes I didn't I didn't know who sent them. But Kurt sent me he knows i'm a huge uh metallica fan obviously and james hetfield's rhythm playing from back in the day so kurt was cool enough to send me some uh hetfield signature oh picks. yeah yeah cool. very cool that's right you opened kurt, those you had no idea kurt who that was from. way to go oh yeah kurt curtsy thank no <laughs> so kurt sent me those and i gotta say because i usually I use these picks. I'll show you guys in a second. I use the Dunlop Tortex uh, with the Jazz 3 tip. Mm -hmm. And the Headfield ones are the Altex material with the Jazz 3 tip. So it's basically the same pick. It doesn't have, you know, for anybody that's used the Tortex picks, they have a slight curve to them. Oh. I don't know if you can see it. It's, it's crooked like my nose a little bit. <laughs> but uh, these ones don't have it, but this these picks are actually really really good. I'm uh kind of impressed. So, ah, cool. Thanks, Kurt. You're welcome. Thanks for busting my balls. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And Jim, check this out. Look at the look at how that fits. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> nice. <laughs> look at that. Perfect. Yeah, look at that. Very nice. There it is. Very cool. You know, that's that's a thing that you do in the studio, so you don't hear all that clatter. Mm -hmm. Bang, bang. Clatter. 
the clang bang and the the you know the dog chain clips and all that stuff. Use a regular, just the reg to strap it on. Yep, the old leather leather to steel. Yep, because it creates a lot of noise. Except for it's a gag ball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! I hear, I hear. I don't know. I hear. Yeah. What about a ball gag? So I'm watching this guitar show, and these guys start talking about a friggin' ball gag. It's like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jim, Jim, what the hell kind of show are you on? Imagine like one of your friends or something just tuned into this at that moment. Now, next thing you know, I'm gonna start talking about the Kong butt pluggers. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. Well, people, we just tell we just tell people that those are our dogs' toys. We don't know what those are. That's right. Yeah. You fill it with peanut butter, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, warm peanut butter. Yeah. So Santa Cruz 3600, it does fit over my eye bolt <laughs> on the back end. Oh my god! Good deal. Yeah. So are we get we're and, giving this away, Lua. huh? He did. He did uh, a run of fifty earlier, which John has one. Johnny has one, and then he did another fifty. And I think last time I talked to him, he bought the last fifty of those military clasp gunner clasp. He bought the last run that they had. So his last fifty he sold. Wow. They're they're all sold out. So yeah, he's giving away the bumblebee one Dang. tonight, which. Uh, yeah, is he here? Wait, are you? Wait, yeah, I think walking. he, he Lewis. I think he. I think he. He's, he's WhatsApping me. Yeah, he's that, watching. For some reason, he you? couldn't get. He, he couldn't get tuned in. Uh, he can't YouTube. get on YouTube for some reason, but he's watching. Yeah, he's Thanks, Johnny. I'm here. That Kurt tried to show off his strap, and he nobody could see what it really looked like. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually not. He's pissed at Jay for all the shit talking that he's doing more than anything. <laughs> That wouldn't surprise oh me either. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're giving this away. Thank you to Lewis. Oh, I see you. Okay, Lewis. He just sent me a message. Lewis. It's, it's, uh, where is it again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, fairfieldguitars.com. Check them out Fair, on Instagram and Fairfield uh, guitars. Facebook. All right. All right. So let's. We're going to give this away. Thank you to, to Fairfield Guitars. Thank you to Lewis. And it comes with the guitar, right, Lewis? Is it the is it the guitar too? I thought it was and the and package. the and the picnic table? Yeah. And and the and the outside and the leaves and the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's seen here in this picture. Comes with. Wow. Quite a deal. Where do I sign up? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Hashtag picnic table to win. <laughs> oh, Fairfield Guitar, no website, Insta only, he says. So he only has Instagram. That's all you need. That's that's all I need. All right. So here's hopefully I'm doing this right. Hopefully. We rolling the dice now? Yeah. Wow, yeah. we already got forty seven. What we- oh yeah, we got forty seven entries here. All At right. The risk you guys sounding like an old like an old misogynistic bastard do we have a cute girl that can spin the thing and and do the drawing do we have that um, well you, you can yeah you can choose you can choose from uh there we go there's four there three <laughs> there or three there you can pick 
Well, that's kind of a rough crowd pick, there. If you had to Everybody likes the bottom right. Yeah, which, that's probably. Which actually, there she is. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd throw one in her. Oh, Jim, oh, oh, oh. I didn't know you liked me so much. Oh, well, you know, we used to have a thing called code of the road and time zones multiplied <laughs> the ugly factor and all that stuff. So anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, We've only just met. I know. Yeah. That's the way it always yeah. works, though. Yeah. Bottom right, she shaves up nice. <laughs> <laughs> and our buddy Cobra Kai Platoon, he's in the chat. He's the one who, um, who does all the awesome stuff like the that. graphics oh he's cobra he's kai. The man thank, yeah thanks cobra for kai me, uh, thanks for have, making everybody want to bang me yes appreciate that you banged me yeah cobra kai thank you for everything you've done man he, he's done all kinds of stuff all, all yeah, kinds of stuff cool. here good stuff you know all yeah kinds my wife of... a picture of jay and she was like i'd do him or her <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's your wife, dude. All right. All right. Everybody ready? Ready. Here we go. This is for the 79 replica Bumblebee guitar strap. Last chance. Last chance to enter. Last Hashtag win. Hurry up. Go, 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 go. Hurry. Yeah, boner jams in at the last minute. <laughs> that's you. That's, that's his uh, MO. Yeah. All right. Bonus jam in at the last minute. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Mr. Mick. Congratulations, man. You just won the strap. And the guitar and the picnic and the guitar, table. And the table. The and the, the, the leaves. Mr. Mick, uh, message Johnny. Then Johnny will message me. And then I'll message uh, Fairfield Guitars. <laughs> and then the shipping for that picnic table is going to be about $500. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, Mr. Awesome. Mick, yeah, you can, ju you can just message me because I've got, I've got Fairfield Guitars right here. So well, just, hey, just send me. Can I give a couple of thoroughbreds away on this show? <laughs> sure. sure you can give anything away you want here we go all right let's have a there... drawing for a couple of thoroughbreds <laughs> yeah. the yeah. shipping is six thousand dollars <laughs> there you go i may pay it <laughs> okay here, we'll spin so, again. Here's for a thoroughbred. <laughs> Fairfield Guitars, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Mick, send me send me a message. Send me a message right there. 415-952-3263. Leo says, Jim is talking women and horses first. <laughs> now that was the unknown third or fourth album, four and a half album, something like that. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Yep. Man, that this was is exciting. Great. That was exciting. Yes. I'm pissed I missed the first hour. <clears throat> ah. Yeah, our well, blood sugar is getting a little low now. We're all getting a little calmed down. So yeah, Jay's kind of a buzz bomb anyway. 
Yeah. But he's he's cute without the beard. Yeah, man. Just <laughs> get me a wig and shave me and you know. You should see him with a with a vacuum. It's you know, unbelievable. <laughs> did I meet you one night in Indianapolis? I don't know. In the uh at the rest stop, the truck stop? No, at the Vogue. Oh. All right, Mr. Mick, thank you, man. All right, I've got his address. I'll send it. Send it to We'll do I will actually do that do this right now. Where is he? This is you right there. All right. There you go. All done. Awesome. Golf that was you. All right. So and, and next I, we're and, gonna give away a little Eddie Van Halen in a can. Ooh. Oh, I used to use that stuff years ago. <laughs> that stuff's awesome. Yeah, especially when you take the lighter to it and you spray it. <laughs> hey, wait, wait a second before we. Oh my uh, gosh! Before we go, Splitsville here. Jay. Our... Oh, there, that's right. There's the vacuum. <laughs> uh, Freddie. That's that's Jay as well. Oh. <laughs> our buddy, our buddy, the Chad is at the. Uh... Oh, that's right. Yep. Can he can he not get reception in there? Want me to ask him if that he, happened uh, last time? We tried going live me, another let time. Let me see the mic position on that cabinet again. So oh yeah, right well, up in the business. That's in there tight. Yeah, yeah, cool. Buck tight. Yeah. Let me let me uh, buck, text him. Just just Bucknoff right up in there. <laughs> yeah, Gary Bucknoff. <laughs> <laughs> As my old buddy started? used to say, my old buddy who mixed for Elton John for a hundred years, he'd say it's balls deep. Yeah, <laughs> all the way to the base. <laughs> <laughs> We've degenerated to that, I guess. Yeah, you should you should see uh, Tuesdays. So, Jim, you got you got you got women and children first dropping here soon. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting I keep saying it, but I'm getting very, very, very close. So um, I have to. I've got the keyboard parts done. Um, I got all the acoustic guitar stuff done. You know, the uh, take your whiskey home intro, the uh, women and children first slide part. All that stuff's done. Um, just got to finish up. I got loss of control done. Oh, wow. And you know all nice. of that all of that nonsense with which johnny did years ago right yeah but the man Tora, the torah torah bit yeah i the, the way that happened was i used to rent uh like four track recorders back in the day you could rent them by like the weekend from places yeah. and and i would go and record all my stuff but just for fun i would listen to van halen tapes backwards just because you know and all of a sudden that came in and i'm like wait well, a minute you were, you were listening for satanic messages right probably yeah <laughs> I, I was listening cool. yeah <laughs> so anyway that's how i discovered that which by that's hearing cool. that and and uh, back in the 80s and yeah i did a video years ago oh so he's playing right now awesome he's, li he's live right now yep awesome i saw him in birmingham when he fell off the tour bus and broke his foot Oh, oh yeah. man! I was there for that gig. Yeah, that was. I uh, went down there to see him. It's only Birmingham, or I'm sorry, uh, 
Huntsville, not Birmingham, Huntsville, Alabama. Because mm-hmm. Huntsville is a like an hour and a half drive for me. So I went to go check him out down there. And sure enough, he, I see him when he's sitting in the, in the chair for the whole damn thing. It was all right. Mm. It was good. He did a good job. <laughs> Nerd Halen in the chat. Nerd Halen ain't no, no, no. So, Jim, out of the four albums you've done, what's been your favorite to do so far? You know, Fair Warning was monumental to me. Trying to figure yeah. that one out was was quite a thing. And that was I went into a lot of detail on that one, you know, with the amplifier, you know, opening up the amp on the bench and all that stuff. It was that one was that to me that was the kind of the quintessential brown sound thing because that's mm-hmm. you know fair warning is that album that's the direction changer for those guys but it's kind of you know it's kind of like that moment in time because then diver down is nothing like it and then 84 is nothing like it so you got that sitting there fair warning is kind of all by itself you know a lot of people say that Women and Children First is the gateway album to, to Fair Warning. As far as recording technique goes, I think it's closer to the first two. Uh, Fair Warning is is much different, a lot, a lot of different changes. But you're going to get a kick out of Women and Children First. There's so many different things in it that it's I'm, – I'm excited to drop this one. Cool. It's – it, this one has been ridiculously hard and I'm, and I'm deathly afraid of doing 1984 because that's when he had his own studio. And that's, there's so to- many, so many different stuff. sounds on that. So many different sounds on 84. So I'll need the Ripley. I need the yeah. two music man combos. <laughs> Dude, let's get David Allen, right? He's in Nashville, isn't he? Yep. No, I can I can get them. I'm I'm not worried about that. The Ripley is what I'm worried about getting the Ripley. But well, David Allen Wright has twenty of them. Oh, does he yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Message him. <laughs> Talk about true. obsession. Jeez. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? Sorry, Allen. Putting rightly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, what? I would have to say oh. it was fair warning. It was it was cool to knock off Van Halen one, but it was. Fair warning was was the coolest one for yet so far, for me. Cool. I don't want to get you flagged because of the audio, but uh, there's a. Uh, I'll keep talking. How about that over top of it, so you can't. Is that live uh, or is that filmed? He just recorded this. Like, just sent it to me now. Okay, so cool. Uh, yeah, I'll keep that's talking cool. every couple seconds. The chair. Hey now, we can't. Hey now. It. Hey now. <laughs> hey now. I can't even hear it. Your yeah, okay, good. <laughs> He's rocking, you need, man. You need a mani- manicure. Yeah, you I just do cut my nails manicure, today. Jay. I just cut my nails today. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> just busting your balls. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, very cool. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Awesome. Wow. Uh, so when, when are you going to do 0812? That's the big question. Uh, I eventually I'm going to quit doing this. 
know, I'm going to post some original stuff coming up here pretty soon from the from the old tour days and the and the mm -hmm. rock stuff that I was doing after the Depeche Mode meets Van Halen thing. So right. that's more in the Van Halen vein kind of thing. So I'm going to post some of that and you know, we'll see how far it goes. When you when you start getting into the the Saldano and the you know, the 5150. I love the band. I did. I love the music. I, you know, I, I love Van Halen top to bottom. But to me, the coaxing the cool sounds out of the old mismatched crap is, to me, the most fun. You know, when you start getting racks full of ultra harmonizers or 949 harmonizers and, you know, and you got every trick in the book and you're, you know, you're playing through your signature stuff and you're in your own studio. You know, it starts to become Fleetwood Mac at that point. You know, you've got you've got the world at your fingertips to do whatever the hell you want. But when you're ta talking about the old Sunset Sound days or, you know, Westlake days, it's it's more seat of the pants. And it's for, to me, it's a lot more fun. And it's and it's 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 a better detective. It, I have a more likely chance of hitting on my theories than I do once they get to 5150. It's, you know, it's anybody's guess what was going on in there, really. Yeah. So yeah. it may stop at 84. <clears throat> so, Jim, we got a 80, question from Santa my, Cruz. 84 is my favorite uh, Eddie Van Halen guitar tone. <laughs> is your what guitar tone, Jay? It's my, it's my favorite Eddie Van Halen it? tone because it's, it's kind of like a blend of like, you know, it's not overly distorted yet. And it's kind of like, it still has a, the rawness. You can still hear the guitar and, but it's also right. getting too. It's getting, wide. it's getting wider. There's more harmonizer. Yeah. There's more H910 going on. Absolutely. Yeah. To me, it's like awesome. the perfect blend for me. You know, I just, I just love how sure. it sounds. Yeah. And I got to figure out, I got to figure out the guitars on that one too. I know it's the V for hot for teacher, uh, drop dead legs and girl gone. I think girl gone bad too. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the other, I think Panama was the Frank, I think. And, um, I, that might be the only Barbara. one that the, that the Frankenstein is on. I think. Garber I mean, swears that the fifty-one-fifty wasn't on eighty-four. Oh, I don't think it is. Even though, even oh, though Eddie boy. has said that, yeah, you know, Eddie said it was. I don't yep. think it is. Honestly, I don't think. What did he play it on? I know, right? Although Panama is weird enough sounding, of course, but that's tuned a half step down too, and the rest of the album is in standard tuning. So, I don't know. It, when I get into it, I'll get into it and see what I can figure out. But, but you know, Eddie, he had this weird thing where he would use the guitar that he recorded, he would use in the video. Around 84 time, he started using the, the guitar he recorded, you know, as he got into, you know, 5150 and for unlawful carnal knowledge. So who knows? But, you know, yeah. a handful of videos that he did, he would he would use the guitar that he, I think, played on the track. Yeah, but I don't, Hot for Teacher is pretty well documented. It was the Karina, the 58V. Right. I and mean, it sounds right. like it. I mean, and it, you can hear the, 
he can hear him change the uh the you know. pickup selector. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's and it's it's so clearly a PAF. I mean, it is so clearly mm-hmm. a, a, an underwound clean pickup on you know drop dead legs and and hot for teacher. Again, it's that it's that whole gain thing we were talking about earlier. People think there's a lot of distortion there, but it's not. It's clean. It's really clean. Yeah. What's your thought on Beat It? What what uh, what amp do you and guitar do you think you used on Beat It? I know that's um, like a real broad question. My guess it was the fifty one fifty, and I think it was a, a just a super lead rented from SIR. But he, we 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 talked about the fifty. This what was it last week, Johnny? The, if he recorded yeah, that a couple weeks 80, ago in eighty two, he didn't have the fifty one fifty yet. Was that eighty two? Yeah, the album three, I think. Well, the album yeah, came out in eighty two, though. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, well, then That's it was hard. the Frank. I'm sure then it was the Frank because it was very sim- up- very similar pickups and. Went to Michael Bolton instead of Michael Jackson, but Eddie said he he rent, what I've what I've heard from eighty two. He rented a sorry, he rented a an an amp. Yeah, that, and that's what oh, Lukather said. That's what Lukather said too. And Lukather was there at the session, so and they were buddies, so he would he would know. I think it's just you know that's the other thing. All the all the myth about the that amp. It's there's nothing special about it. Like I'm seriously contemplating in, in part of my this whole women and children first thing that I've been doing. I've been as I've as I've kind of detailed, I've been struggling with it. And I'm I'm looking back at, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna go really deep into the woods if I talk about the NFB circuit in the amplifier and when those changes were made. That he went from a 47k on the eight ohm to 100k on the four ohm. I've got another super lead set up in here that I've been actually experimenting with and recording these tracks for women and children. First, it's not the usual orange one that I play through. It's a okay. it's a different hundred watt loaded with six CA7s, and it sounds closer to it. So. It's just, and they're just stock configured. I mean, just the just the little things that changing the NFB circuit will do, changing that one resistor and which which tap it's on, on the impedance tap, makes the amp super hairy, makes it noisier, makes it grittier, makes it boomier. So there's little, very little subtle things that you can get the sound out of any amp. That's what I'm saying. There's no magic to it. It's it's. It's picking the right guitar. Don't overgain the thing. Just play it pretty clean. And it's just the Marshall Kerrang kind of sound is what it is. Yeah. And it's and it's the player. Well, back, because- back to Beat It. Um, Lukather wasn't uh, present during Beat It. I've read interviews where no. he said he wasn't there. But Right. Not while, not while Ed was tracking. No. Not while Ed was tracking. Yeah. Apparently, what I've heard is he did it at Sunset Sound during the recording of um, Hallsworth's album. And friend of the channel, Drew, from Sunset Sound, I've been in contact with him. He's going through the files trying to find um, some paperwork to validate this uh, 
but Parent beat it solo that Eddie cool. did either while he was there at Sunset Sound helping Hallsworth or if he ran the studio time for an hour and did it himself. But hopefully you find that out because I think it would be cool to, yeah, to be able to indulge all that. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I always, you know, the story yeah. goes that they went over to where they were recording it and did yeah. it. And then he cut up the tape and blew the whole Simpty time code. And they had to read. He did. They get, yep. They had to get Picaro back or Picaro back in there to play along to the re-engineered tracks. Which would make sense that, that they sent the tapes to Don and, Landy, right? And nobody was yep. watching Ed yeah. they, as they were chopping it up. Yeah. It would make sense. Absolutely. I think it's overlooked. I don't think people have really dove into that. Yeah, but most most people don't give a shit. It's just it's it's people <laughs> like us. You know, most like, people haven't even heard that song. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, everyone's heard that song. They just don't know who played it and where it came from. Like you tell yeah, an I, average like Van Halen or even Michael Jackson fan that oh Eddie might not have recorded that during the session of Thriller, he might have flown. They might have you know gotten the tapes down. They'd be like, okay, what the hell was recorded? Yeah, <laughs> I I kind of have to stick to you know what the older albums that are somewhat documented that happened mostly at Sunset Sound, and you can get a you can get a general idea of what was. You know, you know the console it was recorded on. You know the tape machine it was it was tracked on. You know the the, the basic effects that they had, the EQs that they had. So you can, right. you know, you can you can make some educated guesses and make some pretty close approximations and say, yeah, it's theory, but I'm, you know, if if they went somewhere else and they're in Quincy Jones's favorite studio. And they're doing the beat it part and they got an SIR amp and who knows what the hell it is and what speaker cabinet is it and what mics did they use? I mean, did they use a Royer ribbon? Did they put a 57 in front? What'd they do? You know, it's yeah, that's one of those things that would talk about a rabbit hole, you know. But if you can get some confirmation, absolutely, from a guy at Sunset Sound, if he can find corroborating paperwork, then you can then you can put the pieces together. Yeah, the problem is it's from January to April, so it, we got like three months of paperwork. He's got to, yeah, fumble through. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, why don't you fly that fly down to Sunset Sound and you go through it? You know, <laughs> I got time. I can I can make it happen. There you go. <laughs> You'd probably love to do that. That'd be great. Yeah. I'd love to go there. I would love to just crank up an amp in that room. I would love that. For sure. That'd be cool. Man. Well, good night, Edward Crane. Edward Crane said he's got to go. Um, good night, man. And yeah, Santa Cruz says, I can't believe Don Landy would do that. Who who knows what engineer? I mean, like, like Kurt said, whoever, who was the engineer on Holdsworth's uh, record at that time? Landy. La Landy oh, and Eddie. Don, Don Landy. Okay. Well, then who knows? I mean. Yeah, they might not have been given the, the straight answer. They might not have known that it was all simply locked and everything. I mean, they're used to doing the rock records where, you know, I don't think Van Halen started using simply till well into the, the Hagar days. And you guys are too fucking young to even know what simply is, for God's sake. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even I I didn't know who Eddie Van Halen was. was. 
when Eddie did that track, I don't think he knew how big it was going to be. No, yeah, probably not. Obviously. Probably so it was not. probably just, uh, you know, he just kicked well, it to him. That takes – it does take major balls to change the entire arrangement and, and start chopping up the master tapes, the 24-track master. That takes some pretty big balls. Do you think he would have gotten – do you think he would have asked permission? Do you think he would have made a call or something? Or do, they, do you think he just did it? You already been hailing. You know, this. the story goes that something that he was talking about redoing the arrangement to make it better – you know, moving this and cha- and doing the chord changes differently so he could solo over the... Yeah, because he didn't want to solo. It was just... Dun, 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 yep. dun, yeah. The whole time, that yep. was all it was, right? Right. So he wanted to solo over, I think, the bridge chord changes or something like that. So, I mean, that's big balls, chopping up the 24-track master. After all those guys, all those session guys went, you know, you're laying down the guitar lead. It's one of the last things you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? So, big balls. Yeah. Yeah. And Lukather said, you know, I he had his uh, 59 burst Marshall or a uh, burst Les Paul plugged into his Marshalls and he knew Eddie was doing the solo. So he was going for a middle tone. And when Quincy he he's get like, it down, like we need to tone this down a little bit. So he changed, he, he changed it completely. But I think Luke Lukather was trying to play up to Eddie. Yeah, probably trying to get that that sound. Yeah, because he does the recorded rhythm guitar sound is, you know, kind of kind of crappy. You know, really thin, thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always thought I always thought that the I always thought like Eddie over Lukather said he's the one who put that in there. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Luke playing that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie just did the 59 burst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of the greatest, one of the greatest. I solo. love that. I love that. Song. No, it is. It's killer. And, and, and you remember when it came out too, because it was instantly recognizable. Whether or not you knew he played on the track, you went, huh, that's Ed. He played mm-hmm. that's Ed playing on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was old enough to remember that. Because didn't he say like the rest of the band was like, you know, on vacation and stuff, nobody was around. So he's like, "No yep. one will know I did this." Everyone you know? was was out, yeah, on vacation. Yeah. yeah. So what Johnny, if we get other... that info, we could do a whole show on it. Yeah, we could. Of course, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be yeah. great. And and I know Jim. We told you we we do a couple hours. So. Oh, I'm so, good. Uh, I don't. I'll keep going. I don't care. But I don't know if we're boring the hell out of everybody. Are you guys bored? There's 90, 90 watching or so. Yeah. But speaking speaking of Eddie's, uh, you know, he did the solo on, on Beat It, of course. And then, of course, there's the Nicolette Larson where he's not even credited. Like, you don't even see his That's name right. Awesome. Anything. Do you know of that other solo? What was the bass player? Kurt, what, what's the, the bass? Was it Vanilla Fudge? Who was the bass player? What, what's his name? Alan. <laughs> there there's a solo on a track where where we think it's eddie but it doesn't say it's eddie mm. what's it what's the dude's name um the bass player from uh bogart oh bogart. Tim bogart. yeah tim bogart yeah do you know of that tim bogart song 
where it has a guitar solo that sounds just like Eddie, but it's credited to like. Uh, let me see if I can find it. No, I, I think you're. I think you're right. I remember that that story that he was jamming with Tim Bogart, and they had they had done some stuff. I think I remember that story. Now that you mention it, uh, have, have you ever you ever heard that song? Tim Bogart. No, I, I keep going back to the Patty Smythe or Smith and Scandal too. Mm-hmm. I think he when did Eddie a did the, of- the bass stuff for uh, Lukather on his yeah. first solo album, he didn't want to be credited as well. And originally, yeah. they were going to put the bass players someone else. And then after they mixed it, they ended up crediting Eddie for it. But originally, he he didn't want to be credited on it. Yeah, it's it's this. I'll I'll show you guys the cover. Yeah, I think there was probably a lot of that that went. I don't think he cared much about it. He just wanted to play. You know, just go in and and help out his buds, whatever. Or he didn't want Roth to find out. One of the two. Well, I think. (laughs) Or I wonder if the the whole record label, because usually when somebody who's signed with Exclusive. a record label appears on somebody else's record it has to they have to get like approval and yeah i mean you know the whole michael mcdonald story and i'll wait right yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean that was a major snafu so yeah this album the tim bogart album masters brew there, there's a song yeah, called don't this. leave me called don't leave me this way or something uh-huh and actually on here it does say that eddie that is eddie Oh wow! Where'd see credits? Uh, oh well, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I'll I'll send you the link to that, and you can listen to it. And, and yeah, go to Wikipedia. It sounds like it's Eddie, but it, it's 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 there is something strange about it though too. But yeah. Boy, there here comes our first three minute lull in conversation. So Jim, <laughs> you're you use Logic Pro for all your audio recording you do for your video? Yeah. Yeah. I've and I've I think I've kind of detailed, you know, I use that that Behringer X thirty two as my as my audio interface kind of thing. Um so I can I can actually run thirty two tracks at once into the into the DAW which is like I was detailing with the whole drum setup too. So I get away with that. And I can also do that latency, zero latency monitoring too. So it's, it's super handy, especially if you're, if you're tracking, you know, if you're like, if my brother comes down from Madison and I have him, we play a drum part, you know, we will play guitar and drums live. And I figure I want to go back and redo the guitar. I have to put down a bass line or do something like that. Uh You know, if you've got that much latency, it's freaking impossible to do that. So the zero latency monitoring is, is huge. I love that. So that's what I use that for, but yeah, the recording is all logic, logic pro. Well, you're right. Jay's wheelhouse. That's, that's what, uh, that's what he does. Right, Jay. Yeah, I don't use Logic Pro, but yes, that's uh what do you what do you use? Yeah. Pro Tools? Yeah, Pro Tools. What is it now? Ultimate yeah, or some crap? HD Ultimate, whatever the hell it's called. It's you know, they I used to use Pro Tools. They got so ridiculously expensive. I know. It's yeah. absurd. 
I mean, you can. I think a full a full on copy of Logic costs you one hundred and thirty nine dollars or something. Yeah, it's um for me to keep, and I guess I, I heard from my rep at um Alto Music that uh, who I get the he actually gives me a discount on the yearly Pro Tools. Um, That's the other I, thing. Yeah, you gotta you gotta pay the subscription. Not yeah, he real. he said in a, this April I probably shouldn't be saying this on the air. <laughs> oh wait, hang but, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're not listening. Johnny just told me that Avid. <laughs> changing there and it's and i guess it's going to get worse like they're going to really start sticking oh boy to, uh, so who knows bend over i mean i just i don't know how much how much better is it than well, the, than the thing is it's like the but you know i hate saying this but i mean it's it is as far as any the majority of professional engineers are using Pro Tools, so I know. Like, but you can what do they call it the industry standard type crap, you know. But it's there like, you go. I, you a can... couple of years ago, I tried switching to Studio One because a buddy of mine uses it, and I just everything was like reversed. And I was like, I'm, I was a, I was about to start a new mixing session. I was like, I can't, I can't do this now, you know. I can't learn a whole new DAW right um, right before right. I, I start a session. So I was like, screw it, just a suck. I bit the bullet, you know. What's that? What's the new Universal Audio one? <laughs> they've um, got that new. It's a new DAW that they've got. I forget the name of it. Yeah, I, I it comes with their whole suite of plugins. It's really, I mean, it looks great. I don't know if it is great, but it looks great. I'm sure it is. I mean, Universal Audio stuff is is awesome. It is. But I mean, for the most part, you mm -hmm. know, all these things do. They get the same shit done, you know. I know they, yeah. they, you're like, capturing an and it's a you know how where does the analog digital conversion actually happen and who's who's whose converter is better? Yeah, and does it and does it make a difference? You know, by the time you do your plugins or or you know outboard gear in, does it really make a difference? It's a digital file. Yeah, and think um, of when Pro Tools first started you know being you know everybody started recording in pro tools i mean those converters aren't as good as the ones out now and some of those albums sound amazing so it's right. like you know right yeah yeah i was at an ad agency in god probably the hell was that 90 maybe 91 mm-hmm and they had a, a voiceover studio and they had Pro Tools, one of the one of the original versions of Pro Tools. So that's what I started on mm -hmm. after the, the whole analog tape thing. That was my first experience to, you know, working in a digital setup. I thought it was fabulous, you know, compared to working with tape. You could just you had you had never ending redos. You could edit, you could move, you could cut and paste. And you don't have to wait for the tape to stop, rewind, get to the to the point, you know, like all that stuff. It was like have you ever you ever recorded with a bunch of ADATs or a bunch of machines locked together? I don't know about machines locked together, but I mean that is when you start to go locating and you're like you're 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 tracking solos or something, you're doing a bunch of like say you're say you're laying down a guitar solo and you want to make four or five different passes at it and maybe think about comping it or comping whatever them together yeah my god and, and so now you're you're 30 tracks in 
and you're waiting for all these machines to lock up so you rewind and you can hear them all yeah. going back and forth and finding their spot. It's like, Jesus Christ, it takes them five minutes to auto-locate then. I've lost the inspiration. I can't do it anymore. I don't Time remember what I just on. played. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, imagine imagine <laughs> like going to school or learning analog. And as soon as like you you kind of get through it, the switch happens. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, son of a oh, bitch. You know? Yeah, what the hell? Well, and yeah. that's, you know, that's the other thing, too, when you, you know, analog versus digital. You know, I'd love to give myself an old Studer 24 two-inch tape or, you know, an Atari or anything. And because <laughs> you could just, you crush the tape. I mean, you just, you pound the tape and that's got a tone all of its own. You can't, you can't crush your digital signal. You can't get that natural crosstalk and compression and all that stuff. Yeah, you can simulate it, you can, and there's plugins for it, but it's just not the same. It really isn't. Um, mm -hmm. it's, I'm sure you've you've seen uh, the classic albums on uh, Def Leppard Hysteria. Oh yeah, probably. If, if you've never watched that, because they kind of go in. Obviously, Mutt Lang doesn't do any interviews for it. He he like I think they ended up pulling up some older interviews. Old for yeah, it. old interviews. Yeah, but they were talking about how, like, for the majority of those choruses, they'd record like like twenty four like takes, Insane. throw it all, you know, comp comp it down to you know to two, and but they're like, think of it this way: that's a that's tape. So yeah. you're going back, record, record, recording over, recording over, recording over, and they're like, but obviously, you know, when you listen to it, you can't, you know, but well, it's that's so funny because they're literally wearing out that tape. You know? That's what we used to do. We'd, so we'd, you'd start with a, you know, we'd have a 16. The studio I recorded a lot of stuff in, we had a 16-track machine, a Tascam 16-track. And you would keep bouncing, the, you know, so the drums would take up, you know, you'd, you'd track the drums and then you'd do some scratch tracks or you would at least, depending on what, what you were laying out, you'd do, like, so I'd do one, one track of live guitar, bass player would be live, you do a scratch vocal mm -hmm. and there it is. You've essentially used your 16 tracks. So then you'd, you'd mix the drums, you'd bounce them down to Two four tracks. tracks, maybe, you know, so that you were stuck with that mix that you bounced it down to. Oh yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and then you do the same thing for vocals. So you keep multi-tracking the vocals. So you get that sunshine vocal thing and you keep multing them down and yeah, you'd be going back and forth and bounce to this and bounce to that. And then all of a sudden you'd have eight tracks free. What can we put in now? Well, let's comp a guitar solo. It was a different time. Now it's just, you've got endless tracks. Oh yeah, literally endless tracks. Um, yeah. and, and the thing too, when you're talking about bouncing, you know, all those tracks down so you have more room to record. When you listen to some of those isolated, like remember when the, uh, the guitar hero or, or rock band tracks started coming out and they had like the stems yep. and stuff like that. Yep. You know, there are some tracks where like, it's, it's, it's like the backing vocals, but then there's a keyboard track in there with it yep. because you know, they only have so many tracks. So they're like, Hey, we got to put these, this keyboard track with the backing vocals. Yeah. We would do the same thing. You'd, you'd, you'd run out of tracks and then you'd say, okay, well the keys do this right here, but there's a break right here. So let's get in, get out and you'd put it all on the same, on that same track. And then yeah. you'd, you'd take the grease pencil on the console because you didn't really have automation. 
So you do the grease pencil on the faders and then you'd say, okay, boop, boop, and then you pan, you know, and you do that while you were mixing down, you would actually physically move the faders and wow. you, would mix, you would mix and oh, do yeah. all those adjustments while it's, while you're bouncing a two track in the final mix. There was an art to that stuff, man. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, I do this stuff on pro tools or whatever. What Jim's talking about right now, that's real engineering. Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Well, and then the sounds that you get too, because you're, you're, there is degradation, there's crosstalk, mm -hmm. you know, there's over-biased, under-biased tape, all of that stuff factors into what the final product sounds like, you know, and how hard you hit the tape. It's a, I miss it. It's a, to me, it was, it was a more real way of doing it. You can capture great stuff in the digital realm, but I, I feel like there was, there was all, it, it's like there was more at stake. There was more red light fever when you're actually performing in the studio that you were trying to capture something magical and special. Whereas now you, you know, we'll come back to it. I mean, you only had so much tape. You only had so many tracks. And the other key thing is in the DAWs now with all the plugins, you've got unlimited reverbs, unlimited compressors, unlimited everything. You can put a plug-in on everything. And some of the magic right. of the older recordings is, you know, you had, you had three compressors in the whole studio. You know, you had one reverb unit or you had the chambers at Sunset Sound. Um, and you would, those types of things, you run everything, like you run the drum bus through the same compressor, one compressor, you know, and, and maybe you side chain something, you know, maybe if you had the luxury of doing that. And then you, you know, you run the whole mix through like an LA-2A or something. You run the whole thing to just kind of glue it together and everything's got the same reverb. You're just adjusting how much of that same reverb. So it glues the mix together. You don't have 16 different kind of reverbs with different decays and, and delays coming in. And this is, you know, the, the snare drum might get a special treatment with a little bit of plate reverb, but everything else is the chamber, you know? And, and, and you're right. When you talk about, you know, obviously with the, with the compression or whatever, gluing the mix together, but when you do use the same reverbs and stuff on the majority of, of a recording, that kind of makes it sound like it's recorded all together and, yeah. and you know, that type of thing, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a big, big thing to do. I think it's important to get, to capture the, if you're trying to emulate that sound, if you're trying yeah. to get back to the analog days, I think that's important. Don't go plug in crazy. Don't keep, stacking reverbs well the toms need this reverb the snare needs this reverb you know i'm gonna i'm gonna gate this gate that gate i mean how many gates did your average studio have you have a four-way gate maybe you had a couple of two four-way gates you know so you had eight gates yeah. you know gate in the backyard <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's that's i think a lot of people lose sight of that too with the digital recording it's keep it simple you know, if you start like in what I'm doing with these Van Halen videos, these brownstone things, that's how I always start pulling myself back. It's like, OK, so I'm running such and such a compressor here. Then I'm going over here to the main bus and I'm doing, you know, because I am in some sense, I have to try to emulate the master 
you know, the mastering process too on the main bus. Uh, yeah. A little bit, you know, because you, you know, there was some, there was some gentle EQing going on, maybe some multi-band compression going on on the main when they were mastering the record. That would be pretty standard stuff if they were doing that. Kurt, that's louder than than. There's, is this boring, you, Kurt? It's like it's like the Godfather's in here. That's like the theme from the Godfather. I got I got to turn down. Sorry. My internet sucks. I'm just gonna play. Uh, see, that's a that's a gate. That's a gate right yeah, there. No, no, no. Right there. That's a perfect there example. I'm just gonna snort some fingeries now. Okay. <laughs> No, use it, use it like Banaka. <laughs> and Jim, I got a message from from Fairfield Guitars. He he wants to send you a Bumblebee strap if you want one. So you I'll get your info and he'll send you one. Bumblebee Whoa. Nice. Look at that. Wow. Cool. One of, one, of, one of these. Super yeah, so cool. I'll get your info. He'll send you one. Cool. Very cool. Appreciate and it. the picnic table. And yeah. And the gate. And, you know, and I've already got two quad gates. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> Actually, I got a horse farm. I got a lot of gates. Jesus. My mom would love you. <laughs> I'll send her a horse. I was talking about that earlier. I'm happy My dad will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> I used to have 15 of them. I'm down to three. I'm oh ready to Holy smokes. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I hope my parents aren't watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be well, a deep, deep crap. Get my address. I'll send the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Man, no, no, but I, think... I mean, we could, I could talk about, you know, recording and all that stuff all damn day. But, you know, for somebody who does, you know, all their stuff digitally, for the most part in the box, you know, I use like, I have like API mic pre's and, you know, stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, if I'm mixing something, you know, some of these bands, they, they recorded the, the stuff on their own. You know what I mean? Right. right. So, you know, a lot of times I have to get in there and be like, okay, how do I make this sound more natural and not like what I've mentioned before, like sterile, you know, with a lot of these things. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's it's fun as hell to get in there and really you know get down to brass tacks. Yeah, you know? you know, and drums too are the that's the big thing to me is drums is yeah. I I hate hates a little strong, but I don't like the the heavily gated isolated. I like a drum kit to sound like a drum kit. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the um, is it Glenn Johns. That method, the three mic method or the four mic method on the drum kit. Mm -hmm. I love that, but I also don't mind putting, you know, some, you know, some mics on the toms and blend it in. But I want the drum kit to sound like an instrument all in itself. I don't need the tom, the tom hit to only capture the tom hit. If there's a little bit of snare rattle in there, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's being picked up on the hi-hat mic, you know, it's okay. That's yeah. because in the in the final mix, otherwise you get that super dry, super tight metal drum. That that I do a I do a lot of metal, so that's you know I know what you're talking about. For yeah, yeah. But for for anything 
lower than that as far as on the he- on the heaviness scale. Yeah, I mean, you want it to breathe and stuff like right. that. Right, exactly. Know, but, and that's, you know, but again, I'm an old guy. So that's that's kind of what I what I dig. And I don't I don't care for the super dry that, you know, that really tight reverb metal sound where it sounds like your ear is right up against the guitar speaker cabinet. You know, everything mm-hmm. is just so tight. <laughs> yeah. And I, I get that's the way it has to be, but I just to me that doesn't sound natural. I don't think a guitar ever sounds like that. Oh yeah, if, if I sent if I send one of these bands back a, a mix like what like what I would do for like a rock band, they'd be like, what what is this? You right, know? exactly. Exactly. And plus, when everything is like so, you know, if if a band is playing, you know, did it like a bunch of like you know up tempo stuff, that's it's going to sound like just what is happening? Like where is all this coming from? Know, so. Right. Well, listen to listen to Loss of Control, Van Halen. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that song is a friggin' mess, but it's cool yeah. because it's <laughs> it's so loose and it's wild. It's, it's Loss of Control. <laughs> well, perfect perfect name for the song. Right? <laughs> it is. It's yeah. it is. It's it's nutty. It's wacky. Yeah. <laughs> well. Anyway, it's uh, eleven it's a o'clock. I mean, thing. I, w- I would love to go all night, but I know we can't, and we don't want to drag on too long. Yeah. Um, Says yeah. the guy who was an hour late. I know. Ah! I know. <laughs> I know. Ah! That's right, Jim. That's damn right. Well, I'll I bust hey. his balls for three weeks for that. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. You guys can still keep going. Nah, I got to cool. remember. I have I company. Got, I have company. And, and listen, I, look. I have to have dinner. Jim, you see that back there? I see it. This is where somebody's sleeping. So it's 11 o'clock. Is Boner, Boner Jam's coming back over? Someone's asleep back there? <laughs> they're actually under. Can you see? They're under the... No. <laughs> is is Boner Jam staying the night again? No, one of, one of these uh, friends is here. The one with the 51 the striped pants. Jessica, she's here. Oh, nice. My life, my wife would love the, the Bears thing, though. The Bears blanket, though. So. Oh, she's a Bears fan? Yeah, she is. Well, let me guess. You're a Packers He's fan, a Packers right? fan, Jay. Man. Where's the where's the puke sound? <laughs> so hey, are are you uh I'm I sure hate Aaron Rodgers as next as much as the next guy. So no, I'm sure good, you, I'm sure you good. saw the news okay. with uh Devontae Adams going to the Raiders. Yeah, you know what? I honestly I don't give a crap. I'm a guitar player. <laughs> I'm not I'm not much of a sports guy. I wish I didn't like sports and I wish I didn't like video games. Imagine how much better I'd be at guitar if I didn't have that stuff ruining my uh my you know formative years on guitar <laughs> i get a kick out of hockey that's that's my thing but Black even Hawks? then it's blackhawks preds Preds, baby nashville predators oh really okay well you're in nashville well, i'm here yeah i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i lived in chicago there's a reason i left oh well the weather oh, oh, how about that the weather sucks. How about that? Well, the the crime and the fees and the taxes aren't great either. I own I own the company, so they're not very business friendly there. So no. Anyway, man, there oh. it is. See, oh. <laughs> you just and, they don't, not. and they don't let me chamber the Winchester there on Michigan <laughs> Avenue where I can do that. Here. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> Well, hey, Jim. Wild for God's sakes! Yeah, we talked. We did a test the other day. We talked about that. We both have chickens. He has horses. Big dog. He has a bird too, doesn't he? Have a parrot? Got a parrot. I got a parrot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got a regular menagerie here. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, hey, Jim, thank you so much for hanging out with us, man. Thanks for it's having been, me, guys. It was fun. Been, uh, awesome. We look forward to your, your uh, Women and Children First video dropping very soon. What's the link to his uh to the YouTube channel? Are we gonna it's throw exclamation, it in? Exclamation point Jim. And I gotta do the I gotta do the organization on it, the playlist, right? Now she said Johnny. The play, play, yeah, playlist. you can you can you can make a playlist on on the front of your channel to where you have all the different all right, everything cool. organized. Very cool. Thank you have a new subscriber. If you need some help with that, I can help you. you. There we Super. go. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And you Thank want me you. to hang for an address? Oh, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll get in the green yes? room. Yes. All right. Cool. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, everybody. Don't hang Thank up yet. You. Thank you for watching, everybody. Thank you, channel members. Where's the thing at? We love all of you. Oh, there they are. There you go. Channel members, thank you so much for, for continued support here. And uh, we will see you guys tomorrow night, Saturday night, with uh, actually, John Biel might not even be here tomorrow. Um, we'll see. It'll be an interesting, interesting show tomorrow. We'll see who, who shows up. But uh, see you tomorrow night. Uh, what else? Well, you're really good at wrapping these shows up, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm starving. I haven't had dinner yet. I'll see you guys a little later on. Uh, GTA over on Twitch. Later tonight, we got a crew over there. Thanks, John Allen. John Allen. Thank you, man. Hey, now. Thank you so much. What was that? All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. John Bean TV.